thoughts, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals, for the most part, with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got Amher here in Toronto, Ontario, John in Kelowna, BC, and myself, Austin, in Elmer, Quebec. And uh, it is December 21st as we were recording this. I think this is only going to come out um, in the new year, actually. So today, as you're listening to this, it's Monday, January 2nd. It's 2023. We are talking to you from the past. Uh, Real question is, January 2nd, it's an early start to the year this year. And uh, in terms of like the days of the week after, after the break, if you guys were... Uh, responsible for like the own door-to-door marketing of your own business for like let's say you're running a painting business or something um are you out there hitting the streets on monday january 2nd no 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 (laughs) amber starts shaking his head john's like nah that's a bad call (laughs) i'm nodding my head yeah sorry yeah nodding your head yeah no it sounds hardcore but it's actually just you know why john's saying that because he's going to be out there taking souls oh john is sick like that i'm actually not sick like that anymore <laughs> anymore i used to, i like that you yeah, added in to, anymore though that's honest no i used to like i used to cold call on every holiday for example because my logic would be like everyone's home like i remember going i remember going out on easter because like i never lived close to my family i remember going out on easter day like during dinner hours because i'm like everyone's at home having easter dinner i'm like this is fucking great yeah yeah, I, <laughs> yeah my family used to that, roast me for that <laughs> They're like, yeah, hey, well, Amber, no, it's Christmas. So, you want to you, you want to go knock on doors? Everybody's <laughs> gonna be home. I'm like, shut up. So, no, but so I go on Easter, and people would be like, man, like, like I get it, you know, but like I don't know, like so it, it didn't go over well. Like people were just like, we're kind of like, honestly, man, like next week I would have been happy, but now it's like I just like I'm, a lot of people I feel like wrote me off because of it. Mm, yeah, it makes sense, know. I guess, for the for this certain type of person. Um, if someone knocked on my, I'm not gonna lie, if someone knocked on my door on Christmas fucking day and tried selling me something, I'd be like, dude. Yo, Christmas Day might be a big no. I think everyone can agree on that. But I'm talking no, but you, about but like, Cologne um, is pretty conservative. Like, like for, for religious people, if you knock on Easter Day, that's pretty like offensive. Oh, really? Interesting. I would yeah. recruit that door to door person. Yeah, yeah I, I would too. Pain you. I'll double it. Yeah. Anyway, results weren't <laughs> worth it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you guys want a little surprise? Oh yeah, hit me. I actually don't. Oh damn. Okay, okay let's like put John don't in the waiting room. I'll put John in the waiting room. Hold on. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't do it. Um, let me show you this. You see my screen? Do you actually freeze? That's so uncanny. Dude, that's actually crazy. That's like the perfect like the perfect he, might, he must be fucking with us. No, no he must no. be fucking with us. No, he must no, be the way his face no is way sitting. that he perfectly froze. The way his face is sitting. That's the most uncanny timing. 
Oh yeah, he did freeze. He did, did I freeze? freeze? Okay, you're back. That is ridiculous. Sorry, I've that doesn't happen, but it's happening right now. All right. Okay. You ready? That was dude. That was so uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. Oh my god. Did you get it, dude? Dude, let's fucking go. Are you yo yo yo. This is your Christmas morning, isn't it? No way. Let's dude, go. I bought sex.com. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, sex.com was the most expensive domain name ever sold for like 10 million dollars. What? Yeah, yeah. I believe it. It was either a million or ten million. I bet it's well, I bet it's more than that. No. Ladies and gentlemen, Ammer has can I say it? No, I don't know, because like the deal's not done, right? So we don't know. No, well no, it, no oh, we, come on, dude. Yo, this is no, coming no. out on January second. So it's gonna Ammer, be done by then. So Ammer Ammer bid on a website and he got ghosted for the longest time, but then he doubled his asking price. Worst negotiation ever. And then uh, <laughs> and then, and then and then basically they mailed they emailed him back saying, "Dude, you have to double it one more time." He said, "Yo, let's do it." And then now he's buying it. So I mean, I mean, some would say good job, and others would Yo. say he overpaid. I don't know. <laughs> Ammer has. Well, I'm just gonna say this is a. We don't know. This is a large step. This is a large step. Is it? Yeah, dude, you got a hold of the so. decision maker. No. That's an email from the owner of the domain. That's been your challenge for like the last six months. Yeah. So we'll see. That deserves a little bit of. Let's go. Ouch, my ears. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have. Should have brought that down. Yeah. That's what are you guys' cool. thoughts on that? Do you think this is a smart move? Um, we're not going to talk about the price, right? Fifty thousand U.S. Oh, you want to say it? Okay, sick. Fifty thousand U.S. That's seventy thousand Canadian. Yeah. The way it's financed is going to be thirty. I mean, that's, that's almost that's almost two hundred thousand USD and uh, intrinsic value of Smith and Wesson. So I don't know. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> no, I think it's a good purchase, Ammer. I think it's a good purchase. I think that contracting dot com. Damn. That's it. If you think about the word contracting, that's actually a pretty. Wait, you got contracting.com? That's actually a pretty good fucking price for that. And and I think that you're, if I were to guess, Hammer, you're comfortable talking about this because you know how fucking difficult it is to get a hold of the owner. <laughs> you're like, yeah, if anyone and, wanted and, and to it's compete like, with By the me. time this is out, it's like I ever have it or I don't. Like, it's, it's done. Dude, at this right, point. right. It's right, pretty right. interesting, actually, if you think about it. I mean, I wonder if that would, I mean, I don't see why that wouldn't hold its value. Like, I, I suppose if people stop using um, domain names. Yeah. Because it's, it's not like the word contractor is going anywhere, you know? Yeah. What well, what did you think the name was? I thought it was tradearcontracting.com. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I was like, that's pretty suspect. No, it's just literally one word. That's one word domains, I feel like, should be going for a lot more than that nowadays. Especially because contracting is not even like a niche thing, too. Like, that's not even like a niche word. It's not like you're like... 
like, I don't know. Like, how much did uh, Sam Ovens buy uh, consulting.com for? Um, I, it was either 250 or 500 Yo, I just looked up the domain name Hockey. Thousand? Yes. Oh, yeah. shit. <clears throat> I just well, consulting, I feel like, is a bigger, a bigger domain than contracting, but yeah. I just looked up the domain name Hockey.com. Guess what that price tag that in USD. See, um, I don't think that one would. I don't see. I don't 200? see that domain domain name being worth it though. Five point five million USD. Mm. But like, what kind of traffic are you going to drive to hockey dot com? Like, I, I don't think it actually like. It's know. not about driving traffic <laughs> though, John. It's like if you have a company like crypto dot com, it's just the ad, like the name of the website becomes the name of the brand. No, no, no. I get that, but I'm saying hockey though. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, like, maybe if TSN owned that, and they're like, "Hey, yo, like for everything hockey, go to hockey.com." Like, I get mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah. I could see that being a big thing, but I don't know. I just it, it it seems like like hockey's already a pretty saturated thing. Like, it's not like like I don't even know where people would like like for crypto.com. I, I feel like that's just a bigger domain. Like, that just makes more sense, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the guy's texting me right now. To, to get this going, and I'm very excited, but I'm not going to look at my phone. So we'll see what happens. By the way, Yo. so yeah, we'll see what happens. If it's for if it's meant to be, I will have it as soon as possible. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Okay. So <clears> I got to tell you guys hammer. about this. Pre-congrats. Yeah. Go ahead. John. I have something else to uh, share, not... but yeah, John, I want to hear what you got. Well, this, this won't be very, this will be pretty fairly quick just because I'm not actually done reading the book, but I just, I had to throw it out there because it's such a good book and it's such a crazy fucking story. Uh, do you guys know the brand Tabasco? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading about the family that started that. It's, it's like probably the most valuable private, like one of the most valuable private companies in the world, like one of. And it's still 100% family owned. They've never raised outside capital. Uh, there's like 200 shareholders because of like how many times it's like, you know, like how many descendants there's been, right? And it's just a crazy story. Like it was started after the Civil War on like this like random island. And it's like still to this day, every bottle of Tabasco is still made on this like small island off the coast of Louisiana. And oh. they have like, they have like a like a company city there where everyone that like is employed by the McElhaney family is like lives on this island and they McElhaney. have like this like random McElhaney, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the website. Dude, it's the craziest story. And like and most of their history like that that they like that they like the family tells is actually just bullshit. Like and uh yeah, it's a crazy story. And they actually have the word Tabasco trademarked. Yeah, I see that, dude. What yeah, yeah, is, so is Tabasco a pepper? Tabasco is not only a city <clears throat> in in Mexico, it's also a river and as well as a pepper. Like that like just like like to put in perspective how crazy that is, imagine if someone had like uh like a cop like a like a uh, um uh, uh like a trademark on salt. Hmm. Like that be it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be possible. Like cuz it's it's too generic of a term. It's the it's the craziest trademark ever. Like it's like it's the biggest like moat a business could ever have. Like the strongest brand and the only way you can make the sauce, they have a trademark on. Like, like, like if you, so if you make Tabasco sauce, you can't use the word Tabasco. <laughs> like, like, it, like it'd, be, it'd be like, it'd be like, That's so like funny. you know, like it'd be like you know, it's just so crazy. Like imagine like being a salt company and being like, yeah, the thing that tastes somewhat 
like similar to something that you know like you, like, there'd be no way of describing it you know like like how would you advertise salt if you don't if you can't use the word salt like well, how would you do that right like you can't right like you can be like oh hot sauce right but then you're just one of a million hot sauces there's only one tabasco in the whole world and it's made on one island like they make 600,000 bottles a day it's the craziest story Jesus, it's the craziest dude. story read the book it's called it's called uh Michelini's, uh gold it's only like 250 pages. Like I, I read almost half of it like today. Like it's just great. It's a great book. Dude, that's insane. And it's absolutely wild. And is it by Are they, honestly? The, uh, no, 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 no. The family is very secretive. Very secretive. Oh, wow. Yeah, very secretive. They don't, they don't want anything published about them because they kind of want to just like stay under the radar. Like, yeah, fair you enough. Know, hence, yeah. And, uh, and most of their family history is bullshit. So like none of them do interviews because it'd be, you know, it's just, yeah. But, but uh, like they make up all these different stories and things like that. And like one, like one of the like original founders, like were like bought founder's son, like, 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 uh, uh, like invaded Cuba with like President Roosevelt at one point and like ended up like, I'm pretty sure banging like Roosevelt's daughter. Like it was just like, there's just so much going on. That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, like 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 netflix needs to make a documentary about this like like this would be the number one tv series of all time if they came out with this <laughs> like you know like yellowstone how like that's all popular yeah dude you they need to do a show <laughs> about the macalenis like it's it's yeah anyway that's all i have to say it's just a really good book everyone read it it's called macalenis gold it's like m-c-i-l-e-n-n-y-s gold i think unreal that's crazy, man. What's some good you? business lessons in it too? Like mm-hmm. one of the crazy lessons was um so the founder Edmund, he was like absolute pers- like he was persistent that they were not to do uh, any automation of the factory because he didn't believe in uh spending that like capital expenditures on the business because it would drive up the overhead and it would increase the cost because he was all about margin. So rather than investing in like automation, they just invested in uh like ultimately what they ended up doing was because they built this like like the town site where all their employees would get free rent in exchange for like you know living on the island they would also have to work for the company basically what he did is he built like the most low overhead business ever because he has all these assets on the island so he's you know developed you know he's it's all his capital that he's using but then the switching cost for all these employees is super high right so all like the loyalty and like they're all like you know like most of them like they have schools on the island they have teachers there like stores and like the people like get like currency like issued by the company that they can buy stuff at the stores for like dude it's the craziest fucking story guys and he's like yeah it's just so nuts <laughs> i don't even know how to say yo it. that is actually yeah. insane yo dude it's so nuts yeah wow what's the biggest the business lesson you learned well, I mean, it's a reoccurring theme. So, I mean, it's it's not like it's not so much that I learned this, but it's just it's it's another example of another business person who, like, longevity means something, and and when you use leverage, it, it that one in a hundred storm can wipe you out. And so he he believed in never using any debt, so they they never used any debt whatsoever. It was all based off of cash flow, and they always believed in maintaining margins. So they never wanted to expand if it meant lowering their margins. So they would actually like, so he would rather have um, unmet demand, but keep his margin rather than diluting the brand by producing too many. 
so they never have inventory cost they like literally still to this day it sounds like i mean i i haven't got to the end of the book but it sounds like they still only produce what's needed so they don't carry an inventory like everything that they make is order. instantly sold the next day yeah well it's not made to order but i'm sure i'm sure that they because they don't i mean like any uh like food brand they sell the distributors right. but because they have such a monopoly on i mean they have a literally a monopoly on tabasco sauce because you can't make an advertised tobacco or you can make it tabasco sauce but you can't advertise tabasco sauce they have a monopoly like they, they own the word so they never have to really worry about any competition because it's a copyright it's just a trademark like so it's it's impossible to do anything about it right what a crazy story yeah like like so if you ask for tabasco sauce you're only ever going to get their comp like, the only thing you're ever going to get is them right there's the, no one else can use the word tabasco <clears throat> i'm going to trademark the word roofing yeah, it'd be crazy, you're gonna, right? You're gonna have a it'd fun time with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So I mean, the lack of leverage, and <laughs> but, but you know, but it goes to show though, you know, it's like going against the grain, just is like an interesting idea in and of itself. Like how many times people are tempted in boom times to use a lot of leverage or use a lot of debt or grow quickly, but not necessarily be profitable in that growth. You know, like just go yeah. after revenue for the sake of revenue. You know, like isn't this go after similar? The, the vanity isn't this similar to the uh, Patagonia business model? In a way, this is similar to every business that's ever survived over 100 years. Um, fair enough. But doesn't the CEO of Patagonia have a similar set of morals and business ethics and beliefs? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know the Patagonia. Wasn't story, it you I'll told me, though, or maybe it was Ammer. It was the no. Let My People Go Surfing. That was the book. No, uh, I I've heard of the book, but I've never uh, I and, I, and I've heard like it, commentary on it. No. Interesting. Yeah. I probably told you. I might. I might have told you about how I heard about the book, and I yeah. maybe told you some stuff that I read a commentary about the book, but I didn't read the book. The education of a reluctant businessman. That's the definition of let my people go surfing, or like the description. I think it's more based on. Yeah. I'm just gonna, from what my understand, and maybe you can correct me, John. It's more about like how do you move a business towards operating at almost a net zero carbon footprint and being being very sustainable. And so he took that, but also they had like a like a like a huge push towards work life balance. Yeah. So I guess they, they became had more conservative where, for growth for a different reason than Tabasco. But. Yeah, they had this they had this thing where uh <clears throat> if the weather was like conducive for mm. really good surfing weather, they would shut the office down for the day. Right. Like so they would let or well not they wouldn't shut it down, but rather that if if the if 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 it was ever a good day for surfing, you were totally allowed to go surfing like because because like good days are rare to come by wow so there might be some logic to that i mean i the commentary i read on it was quite critical of his of of him and saying how yeah yeah, it was it was you know it was like this but then again i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty bad advice economically um, or something i think that the guy had some sort of like the, the commentary i was reading I didn't really agree with like it, it sounded like he kind of had like a bit of a uh like a like a uh like he wanted to like look like he, he had an, an agenda like he he wanted to kind of take take apart like this whole idea of like people not wanting to work hard nowadays and he used this as an example of like modern day uh uh like management philosophy that has gone awry so but I haven't heard the counter argument like I don't know maybe productivity is down at these places right know. yeah right like it sounds like a cool thing like it sounds like you know i would want to be the ceo that's like, yeah you guys go surfing but i don't know if that actually like works out like, <laughs> yeah. you know like, maybe that's yeah. why he's criticized a bit too yeah 
Like, I'm sure Facebook's selling a lot of, or I guess Meta's probably selling a lot of foosball tables right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they can use their face. I can, they can probably use Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> oh my God. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Amber, what were you going to say? Oh, dude, you're still sharing computer sound for some reason. Oh, That's great. Up. Yeah. So we were hearing. Did you hear anything? Just like some moaning. I don't know what that was. Oh but. my god, bro! <laughs> no, it's all good. Yo, relax. It's all, dude. it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I've got some porn playing in the background. It's usually, what I got going <laughs> You're on. Still sharing your computer. Audio. I know. I'm yeah, trying I to know, figure out how like... to stop, bro. <laughs> you click share screen. No, dude, I can't. There says there's view options, but I can't close it. I'm gonna figure this out. I got it, guys. I got it. Okay, Amber, what are you gonna boomer guy? Yeah, so I'm in the, you know, part of having a uh, a business that relies on intellectual property. I'm always, a, you know, placed in interesting situations where I can easily pirate a piece of content instead of purchasing it. And I made a commitment back in 2020. Like, like a book. So what's an example? A book. I could just pirate a book instead of paying for it. I can. Oh yeah, I have a similar a, motto. I, I I refuse to pirate anything. Yeah. So I made a commitment in 2020 to like try to become the best customer that I can possibly be, and I recalled that in 2017, um, somebody sent me. Somebody sent me a a pirated copy of Jordan Belford's Straight Line Persuasion. And, it was this like 10 episode course that was amazing and he has one yeah, of the it too. it's great dude the part on tonality was like one of the best i've ever seen and i recently revisited it to like not only to get my tonality better but to also train people in my business for tonality and i was just kind of sitting there earlier today been like damn i never paid for this so i called jordan belford's office in beverly hills and i'm like hi i want to buy the course it was like like right now, I'm like, yep, my credit card's ready. Just want to buy it. And I'm like, how much is it? He's like, 500 bucks US. I'm like, okay. Can you send me a link? I the just really paid for it. move would have been to ask him how much it was in 2017. Mm. Yeah. Because I paid a lot more than $500. Bucks. Huh? You I paid more than 500 Yeah. How much did you pay for straight line persuasion? I want to say it was like somewhere like around 2000 US. Ooh. Yeah. Well, why did, would it have gone down in price? Because it's no longer like a like a popular oh, thing. Because it came out. Like, like you bought it when it like, came. For out example, now? like for example, when I took Grant Cardone's university, I think I paid like three grand for the year. Whereas now, I think you can pay like ninety bucks a month or fifty bucks a month. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So yeah, even just, Ty Lopez's like sixty-seven steps. I remember like when uh, Joan and I were doing it. I think it was like nine hundred. I, I don't know. It was something. It was like a thousand bucks or something like that. Whereas yeah, now it's like literally sixty-seven dollars. Like, yeah, like, yeah, sixty-seven. Like, I was like, fuck. I, I was like, damn, I keep buying these for one dollar. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just paid for it, got access to it, and I didn't even, I didn't even like walk, like log in. I was like, yeah. I like the integrity, man. You know, it's square. actually been a thing that I've had. I, I've had that mentality for a long time. I, um, I, yeah. You know who actually got me on that was uh, Dana White, actually. Oh, speak more. What do you mean? 
Well, basically, like, I, because I, I, I watch every single press conference with Dana White. Like, I just, like, not only because I am, I, I'm into the UFC, but I feel like he actually gives a lot of, like, life wisdom and, like, business wisdom in his press conferences. And I just like the way that he conducts himself. So I, I, I listen to all his press conferences. And I remember, like, several years ago, during one of these press conferences, he was talking about, like, the, because uh, streamers were, are, are a pretty big issue for the UFC or, like, for any sports, really. Mm-hmm. Like, anything where you have to, you know, pay-per-view. And he was talking about, it. he said, you know, like theft, basically. He just, he was, he went on this big rant and maybe we could even find it. He went on this big rant about like the integrity of stealing and how, you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, you know, all these people that work for me, like they've all worked there, you know, like, this is like what they do for work. Like, this is like, this is like what they do for a living, you know, like this is what I do for a living. This is what I do to like pay for my family's, you know, like education. Right. And if you're stealing that, like, that's what you're stealing. You're like, you're robbing us of what we do for work wow. like the same way that if i was to like go to your small business and steal off your shelf like it's the same thing and he's like these people that pirate music he's like think about how many people can't make a you know it's their dream to be a musician and they finally produce a really good song and you just go and steal it he's like the movie producer who's been working his entire life and he finally gets a big hit and you can't even pay the guy ten dollars to watch his movie he's like and and he basically just said he's like if you're if you if you're a streamer you're not in our demographic don't even fucking watch the UFC don't even buy my he's like I don't even want your money wow you know yeah so I just it, I was like damn okay I found <laughs> I found the video online and it has uh, it happened multiple times but it has sure uh, ninety seven thousand views and the first yeah. comment on this video is. I have illegally downloaded every UFC event that's ever been made. I'm loving all the free shit you give me, Dana. Keep it up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like this troll. What a troll. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to listen to it. I think John like nailed it. Yeah, I know. I'm no, just, yeah, yeah, this it. is an old video too. It's like 10 years old. Yeah, no, wow. that's what I'm saying. Like, I listened yeah. to this a long Young time Young Dana. Ago. Yeah. yeah. You, you were listening to Dana White press conferences 10 years ago, John. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So was 16, I. You were 16 years old. Yeah, dude. UFC was fucking awesome back then man there was no That's rules crazy. you could like you could like throw overhead elbows i've been a big and, like, fan for a long time yeah man i'm not no kidding clue. when i say i've I listened no to i've listened to every single press conference since really the, every single time every single yeah you can trisha will vouch for this every single time there's a ufc event i wake up the next morning at 5 a.m and i watch the press conference so nice. you watch the press conference for ufc one <laughs> Well, no, 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 no. Like all the ones, like all the ones, like since I've known about it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, since, since yeah, since Whoa. yeah, yeah, since, yeah. No, you're right. You're you're right. No, no, touche. Like I misspoke. Since yo, I started like, being a fan, I've watched every single one. But I would That's say, like John, like if if uh, you're the same as me, it was like probably like grade eight, grade seven, started getting into UFC. No, way earlier than that. No, um, like I would say, I was, I was, like I, I like because my mom used to have fight nights at her house oh shit really so all my she all, was dude, into it dude, dude some of my most fond memories are <laughs> is are a kid of watching like uh like forrest griffin um uh diego sanchez i remember like watching john jones win the belt uh like when was that yo not that only was, john jones brock lesnar dude that was even that was even like pretty late into like I know I know but I'm just saying like that would that would um, be my favorite era Rampage Jackson Shogun Rua um Chuck Liddell uh Lyoto Machida yeah Chuck Liddell Yo, was awesome UFC get this UFC 1 was on November 12th 93 Yeah I believe that Damn that's a long so time So I was watching it probably in like 2006 I want to say 
Yo, next year is going to be their 30th anniversary fight. That's crazy. That's sick. That's sick. Um, the first fight was in Colorado. Uh, what, who what was date? it? Uh, November 12th. So next year, they're going to have 30th anniversary. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, um, the f- but yeah, so I, I was, I was been watching it for quite a while because my mom like used to have like these fight nights where all my uncles would come over all of their friends. And then they're, you know, those like, so like my uncles and, and their, and my uncle's friends and my mom's friends would all bring their kids and we'd all be like playing. And I didn't really like watch the fights per se, you know, like as a kid, like you're, you're just busy, busy playing with your friends. But I just remember like having really fond memories of the UFC. Like it was kind of like a childhood. Like, yeah, yeah. Was, like I loved having fight nights. I watched you know, WWE. And, we, yeah. That was that was for us. It was WWE. Yeah, I never really yeah, got into WWE. Like me either. I I remember like being into the video games. I liked the video games of WWE, but I never actually played. Uh, or never. Uh, sorry, I never watched it really. You ever played? I think it was like a premium. Uh, no, I didn't. Because I I um they you weren't that good. Games. I loved them, dude. I loved. Yeah, them. I didn't. I don't know. Like I remember, like when one of them came out, like my friends and I kind of liked it, but I I felt like it was not like it was too complicated. We liked. Uh, I don't know. We liked Mortal Kombat. Mm. Oh, I didn't know you. Like, we liked combo Kombat. games. Yeah, we liked comp. Like you know, I don't know. UFC didn't feel very you like, big, like Super either. Smash Bros. guy. No, I didn't like Super Smash. Hammer. Uh no, no. Okay. I was never a Nintendo guy. Really, I had a Sega Genesis though. NBA Jam was the shit. No, I had a PS2, PS3, Xbox 360. I, I had a PS2. I, I had San Andreas. That was like the yeah, big yeah. game I had, and I had the A version. What's the, the A version? version? Yeah, the is that when you can? Version? Oh, so that's you go to strip clubs and there was real titties. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm so like, dude. Maybe that's why I'm so yeah, sexual. You're saying that. <laughs> you're saying that so proudfully, John. That's so fucked. That's hilarious. Yeah. You're like maybe that's why I'm so I got sexual, to see some... I was going to strip. I was going to strip clubs daily when I was like seven. <laughs> daily. <laughs> John would get home from school, go to the strip club. You know what it is, buddy. Um. Oh. So like you would see like the GTA like 2008 uh, graphics, uh, like four pixels, yeah, like five, actually five <laughs> pixels. There was like one pixel per corner of boob, and then like one for the nipple. <laughs> Dude, I can imagine what your CJ looks like. He's still in his wife beater. You've done zero <laughs> missions. Just... <laughs> He's just skinny. Yeah, Ryder still has told you, hey man, go get your haircut or something, you know. Oh, I'm, still, I'm just driving, just riding around on a bike to the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like Officer Tampenny right next to you. Officer Tampenny, yo, yeah. <laughs> yo, yo, what's that scene that you imitate ever from there? Don't you imitate this scene like with Officer Tampenny? You like you showed it oh, to us before. I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Fuck. But uh, I'd say when they kick him out the uh, the cop car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, Wait, John, if you played Mortal Kombat, then you've probably played Mortal Kombat Armageddon. Where there's like a whole... No? No. no How, do you remember, remember being able to pick like over 30 different characters or no? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like there was more than 30 characters. Yeah, so you played Armageddon. Okay. Yeah. Was there a Blaze? You ever played as Blaze? You know what I'm talking about? Um, was he the guy with like the, like the, the whip that was on fire? Or like not a chain that was on fire or something like that? No. No, no. He was a guy that back. was on fire. No, I don't remember that. Yeah. Or like noob. But maybe no one picked it. No. Well, do you guys remember uh what was that one uh kind of like somewhat it was kind of like Mortal Kombat, but it was um kind of more anime like 
Injustice. Uh, Soul Calibur? No, Soul Calibur. Also, no, no. But I played Bayonetta. Yeah, okay. Yeah, man. It's interesting how big a part, part of our childhood, like, like our generation was for video games. Are you going to... Um, here's an interesting question for you, John. Are you going to let your kids play video games? And I define kid until the age of age 16 or 14. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd let them make that choice. Elaborate. Why? What's your logic here? Well, I mean, I would encourage them to do other things. But I would let, uh, but I would, uh, but I would allow that to be the thing on the table. Like I, 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 I don't want to like necessarily like a, like force my kids to do the decisions that I want. Like I want to make sure that they have all the decisions available to, like to them. And so you trust a seven year old? You trust a seven year old to pick between like going to play baseball or Fortnite? I mean, if he wants to put together a great business deal and then make some money and buy himself video games, then fucking have her. But I'm not buying it for him. Hmm. So then a seven year old. If he wants to work that hard to buy himself a video game thing, then I, I say fucking have at her. Like he's still, okay, you know, so the means... only way he's going to get, he's the only way he's going to get things like that is if he works hard and, and, and puts together some, you know, some solid deals. Right. So then in that case, I'm okay with it. Cause it's like, I don't care. Like it's your money, right? You do what you want with it. Interesting. So then by that logic, Unless you, your kid is just an absolute genius, he's probably going to be like seven, eight, or nine years old before he scrounges up a thousand dollars to buy. If that man at seven, a thousand bucks, that's pretty rare. I mean, what he's got three paper. John, how did you? Did your did your uh, mom buy you uh, the consoles? Uh, no. Uh, my mom's boyfriend gave me his PlayStation Two. Damn, that's a real one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my aunt gave us a PlayStation. Brian Templeton, he was my, Hammer, he was my favorite. Sorry, what did you say, John? Well, I was, Brian Templeton, that was the name. Oh. So I don't want to, you know, he was a nice guy. He was like twenty six. My mom was like in her thirties, and yo, he he's like, the same age as you are right now. Oh, yeah. ho, ho, ho. and he, <laughs> yo, uh, that's he, insane. Like he, like, he like he would play with me and like he was like he was just awesome and he like took like he like introduced me to his parents and they own like this marina and they used to like give me free candy they'd be like oh yeah take any candy you want you don't have to pay for it i'm like oh my god that's fucking the best thing ever and i went fishing with him and his dad and i remember it was like the worst fishing trip ever because we all got our mass massive headaches like i've never had a bigger headache in my entire life and i remember like driving back and like his old like he's like super old like bmw but it was like maybe kind of cool at the time i don't know like it's hard to say because it was so old like I don't, I think it was old even back then, and I remember just being like, I don't know, I just, I really like the guy. Nice. Wow, cool. Okay, yeah. so then, like, okay, what about a phone? Your kid asks for a phone. You say, go make the money to buy a phone. Yeah. Hmm. I'm actually gonna make it a point. Like, if if my kid doesn't have a phone by high school, I'm gonna buy them a flip phone. Yeah, I think I would buy like maybe the bare minimum. Like if, if my son's like, man, everyone else has video games. I'll be like, okay, sweet. Let me go get like, I'll, I'll find you like an N64. Nah, not even. I'd be like, okay, sweet. Results economy. Get after it. <laughs> but like a little but like I, I to answer, you, you guys never asked me the question, but I'll answer it anyway. Uh, how did Aust- Austin, how did you get your first console? Um, did you save up? Did you save up money? 
I thought Tookie is a video game type of guy. I just really? imagine, dude, yeah, are like, you joking I, right now? I just no, I punched an armor. I took that personally. I'm hurt, bro. You just seem like the that kid on the BMX. Like I'm not gonna oh, lie, Austin. I, I don't feel, bro. I'm gonna show you a photo of me in 2007. If I sat on a BMX, it would collapse, man. Like <laughs> I, if I'm if I, I'm catching any yeah. air, it's not a good. Th- it's not gonna be a good. Like, scene. Austin, I feel comfortable saying that there's probably not a single video game that you could beat me in, dude. Are you? No, 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 no. Like I'm talking like even M- MLB 07. Yo, let's. Uh, do you have a PS3 still? No, what? I have a PS3. Yeah, he has a Dude, PS3 no in his deep Austin, in this closet. Austin, Austin, this is why you had no friends when you were growing up. Okay, Dude, everyone had uh, Xbox hey, 360s. I had a lot of friends growing up. I also <laughs> oh, could crush your ass. I could also crush your ass. At NH, NH. <laughs> no one had PlayStation NH. 3s growing up. Oh. What planet do you live on, dude? No one had PS3s John, growing up. What, what song am I singing? Halo. Come on. Yeah, they, they, they got it. He's got it. Yo. Okay. Here's some controversial that. beliefs. Here's some controversial beliefs. PlayStation leaves Xbox in the dust. I now would it be, does. I would be. But not back in the day. I would beat John hands down at NHL. I would run it up. I would also beat him at Call of Duty. Would be my I no. I, I played three games no. growing up. Okay, I played NHL, or otherwise known as Chell, or uh, I also played Call of Duty. Every every version. Dude, of I would. Coming I up. dude. Put it this way, Austin. I would beat you with the O seven Islanders, and you could have the O seven Capitals. Okay, uh, you could give me. Uh, you could give me a way worse team than that. I would still beat you. Anyway, all good. We're gonna have to run this back. I'm sorry, John. We're gonna have. Well, to no, because he like because I was the year that Ovechkin was on the cover, and he was like the most op. Like you could, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this, but like in in, in NHL 07, you could kind of like skate into the into the zone, and you could come across to the left, and as long as you shot at top right shelf, like like top right shelf, it would always go in. Like there was a certain kind you know of angle what? you could swoop in. John, if you're one of those hack players, what would you call it again? You said it on a recent episode. Cheese. Oh, a cheeser, yeah. What? No, 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 no. NHL 7, there's also a thing where you could, like, what was the year year when they, like, had the dangle stick for the first time? You could do this thing where, like, oh, is it 06? Okay, so in 06, you could, like, skate, like, right in front of the goaltender and do, like, a bat, like, a right to left, and you would score almost every time. Yeah, yeah. NHL 06, Martin St. Louis was on the cover, and I would crush it on my GameCube. I played it on GameCube back then, dude. GameCube with the tiny little discs? Remember that shit? No. Uh dude, are you guys Emma, are you serious right now? No GameCube for you? You're too I, young. I, I, my friend had my young. friend had a GameCube, but I don't know. We're almost three really? years older than you, Emma. I feel like GameCube is on its way out by the time Probably. No. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I would Game... much rather that you guys compete outside of the video game world and just be like, I'm gonna make more money than you next year. Okay, I would like Emmer. to see that competition. <laughs> I will gladly compete with John at both. I, w- I can't have him just walk all over me with the video game comment, dude. If you look at my childhood, okay? My business I will was produce vi- more free cash flow. That I was invested. I was, I was not invested in much. I was invested in being good at NHL, okay? So I'd crush you. How many platinums? What was your gamer score? Those are the real questions. Well, I, here's the thing is that I never really started playing online until like the last, like I would just play no, with my that, friends. No. Oh, that's how you know, man, that you're not a gamer. You didn't even understand my <laughs> question. Dude, 
Austin, you just got I, exposed. I, I, when I had a PlayStation Two, I was playing. I, I was playing one of the first online games ever. SoCom. Oh, like that's how OG I am. Yeah, I was playing SoCom online. I don't understand how your SoCom skills would transfer to me dusting you in Chell and you having a chance, but. Anyway. No, but Austin, I don't think you understand. Like I, like I. Amber, have how long is your finger, dude? Repertoire. Is Amber's finger not disproportionately large? Like it looks like it has an mm. extension clip on it right now. <laughs> it does. It looks, but like, but it's also Amber, really yo, thin. Yo, it's f- really thin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, anyway, um, any, I we're not gonna ever solve this because John and I are probably never gonna be. No, he, we did solve it because John is better than you at SoCom. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. The game I never played. Sure. Do but that's how far John. back I go, is what I'm saying. Like I had dial-up. Like I remember when people like so like when I was playing SoCom. Yo, you're online, not like, unique, someone... dude. I had dial-up too. No, no, but yeah, okay, but hear me out though. Here, here's how my, here's where my story is unique. My mom was a fucking drug dealer. You know how shitty it is to have a drug dealer mom when, when you have dial up? Dude, because the thing is, it's. I just got that. Yo, your game would fucking break it's all not, the time. It's not like someone would call and like she'd be on the phone for an hour and then she'd be like off and she'd like go do something. It was like every like five minutes, someone'd be like, hey, outside, hang up. You know, like, like it was. <laughs> Like, so it's just like constantly throughout the day. Just so I, that's why I, I you know, I, that's why I was so good at SOCOM. Because I had to get really good in three minute increments. Austin, do you even know what SOCOM <laughs> is? I I couldn't even tell you. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Um, so SoCon. what's up in your guys' life? Um, hold on. Are you googling SOCOM? What do you guys do this time of yeah. year? I am so so. How do you spell that? Socom. Socom. Oh, socom. S S O C O M. Yeah, it's like it's all like abbreviated. I think it stands for something like special organization or something. I don't know. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, my week or my like, I would say I'm really. Wait, please. what? I'm so confused. John said, "Asked how we're doing." No, 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 no. Is there an actual game called SoCon? Yeah. Sammered. Mm, okay. SoCon. I really thought John was about to dunk on. No, that's me. it right there. That's the one. That's the one at the bottom <laughs> oh, right. Oh, suck that's the one. or SoCon. Like, yeah, like suck on. going to go SoCon these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. This whole Are you joking, Aaron? I swear to God, the whole time, like the on, slow moment John these, said so cut, I'm these like, oh, I'm going with this, I know where he's going. <laughs> Yo, that would have been all time. That, that would have been like so when, good, I wish, I wish I was smart enough I, for that. I kept alley-ooping John with it, I'm like, yeah, but John, like, he doesn't know what so and I thought, and then he was, but then John kept no, going, yeah, yeah, and he kept no, no, committing, no, no. So and then we changed really subject. Yeah, so calm. Suck on these nuts, yeah. I'm like, oh, Austin's Googling it. He's like, yeah, I'm Googling SoCon. That, that was it. I'm like, John, say no, 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 no. John, go, go. No, no. Oh, that's hilarious. That was like when you put me in a coffin in the Patreon chat when you were like, I asked you what your whoop name was, and you were like, Gargalon, and I was like, I was like... <laughs> I was like, Gargalon, what? And you're like, Gargalon, he's nuts. And everyone everyone just wrote like, dude, R.I.P. Austin. Like, 
15 people separately were like r.i.p r.i.p <laughs> no my god <laughs> sorry sorry john um <laughs> okay do you know what i actually just watched today that was really good which i recommend watching uh, i've been wanting to watch this for a long time but it's it's like it's an hbo thing so you have to like pay for like a separate subscription for hbo and i'm like man i'm not gonna do that i'm just too cheap finally i was feeling like a little bit richer so i decided that i can afford hbo and i, I watched carl icon's uh, documentary fucking amazing is oh that the, the guy corporate, who corporate rating yeah corporate rating well i mean i would say he's less of a corporate raider it, it, it discusses that he's actually not a corporate raider he's actually more of like an activist investor but yeah but uh it's it was so interesting that even like trisha who normally falls asleep within 10 seconds of me putting on anything business related she was even like yo this is kind of good like she was like into it it basically just walks through like his five biggest deals that he ever did and like like how they happened like what company he like bought shares in and like how he like turned it around and then what the outcome was really really good really good yeah it's gonna be one of those times where like uh yeah i'm gonna have to it's solid what uh, else yeah, is on really hbo solid. max i need a lot of stuff to watch uh, while i'm on the plane so i like hbo's good. documentaries like anytime i've like ever gotten to see one they're always really high quality do you know what's another movie that i watched recently too that's it's, it's probably one of the better business movies i've ever seen it's what? called The Banker. Oh yeah. Wait, is it is it's, it uh, uh is it British? No. Okay, good. It's on Apple TV. It's it's a true story. It actually has Samuel Samuel L. Jackson in it too. So it's actually not like it's it's only on Apple TV. And it's it's a true story about these two black guys that uh, end up buying a bunch of banks when mm. black people were not supposed to even own houses. Yeah. That's savage. Wow. I would love to watch yeah. that. It came out in 2020. This is uh, not a spoiler, by the way, because like, you know, like when like when you like the, if you read the like if you read the description of the movie, it talks about how they're buying banks. So it's not like so it, it's it's right, less right, of, right. It, it's less about what like what happens, but it's more about how um, how it happens. Um, and so there's this one crazy part where like they wanted to buy this bank or sorry, they, they wanted to get a loan from a bank to buy like some apartment buildings because that's how they got rich originally was investing in uh, uh, like multifamily buildings and then they would like start renting them to black people uh versus before they they could only be rented to whites and they couldn't get they, they wanted to get more loans from this one bank but the bank just wouldn't give them loans and so they ended up buying the building that the bank was in and then they went back to the bank and were like yo we want to get some loans like do we already tell you guys to fuck off and they said okay sounds good like yeah we're your landlords by the way so do you want to like maybe have this conversation a little bit differently or how do you want to go about this <laughs> like such a baller move though they bought the building that the bank was in and they got a loan for that purchase maybe through a different bank to buy that um building? no they had the cash for that you know? oh wow yeah unreal yeah the restless billionaire that's it right? yeah that's that's the documentary really good really really good can you, uh, like, I guess technically you can just go on HBO and, like, pay a month and then watch some stuff and then cancel it? Yeah, you can. That's yeah. what that's what I plan on doing. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to pay 20 bucks a month to watch. I don't it's know. I don't watch enough TV. Well, it's, you can't, it's, it's, you have to pay for Crave TV, which is owned by Bell. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um... I don't know. You get like they have like friends on there and things like that. They actually have like quite a bit of stuff on there. Like I would say it's pretty high quality, but it's uh, 
I just, I don't know. I just don't watch enough TV to warrant two subscriptions. Mm. Yo, what, um, what conditions are you guys applying for the new year for you to classify it as a success for this next year, 2023? Like, I haven't made my like, goals really yet. To be like looking into next year. Yeah. Uh, next like, year. Well, easy millionaire status. That's it. Dude, yeah, you're gonna, like, but but like you that's I don't I feel like that's not a challenge. Like you're pretty damn close, aren't you? Yeah, but at the same time, I mean it's still like like that's like the most like that's the milestone have that's to, on my mind. Yeah, but you have to like make every less single time I'm doing anything, sleep. like that's what's on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, but like you'd have to make less than what you made this year to achieve that. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you can like because it's a net worth thing. So I mean I could also make mistakes as far as like how I actually like allocate my resources too. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Like it's not like a, it's not a given. I mean, it like, like things could happen next year, but um, I suppose, I mean, are you asking me like, what's something that you like, you're pushing yourself for? I mean, like, it's just like, you asked me like, what's something that we consider next the year? The conditions. Like, to yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like to okay, me, that's cool. like, yeah, like, that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it, but it also unlocks a few different things. Like one, it means that Trish and I can plan our wedding. Cause I told her like, I'm not getting married till I'm a millionaire. Like that's just, that's, and that's always been since day one. It's always been like a, like a, a condition that has to be met in order for me to actually even consider getting married. Like actually like officially married. A liquid millionaire. Liquid millionaire. Yeah. Very nice. Liquid millionaire as in like within uh, t- uh, 30 days, you could, you could come up with a million dollars. That's awesome. When did you make that goal? To become a millionaire? Yeah. Probably when I was like young. I don't know. Like, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't every young person want to be a millionaire? No, but like roughly, like how old were you? Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between when people set goals or like, ide- like or have like a dream and when they actually work towards it. Well, that, that yeah. dream of becoming a millionaire, when, when did that come? Roughly. Probably when I was like, I don't know, like eight. Eight? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Okay. I was probably young. I was probably under 10. I mean, I, definitely before 10. Okay. Yeah. I got some bad news for you. A million if dollars. I investing in 10. I know it doesn't mean no. anything now. No, 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 no. A million dollars in 2004 is now worth 1.5 million. So you actually have to make. An it's even it's actually even it's actually even worse than that too um like being becoming like a like a single digit millionaire in actuality like what when people talk about becoming a millionaire what they really like adjusted for inflation like that actually works out to more like three million where'd you get three million from it just it's just like a rough like rough math i'm saying like when we when people like have the idea of like what a, like when you think of like a millionaire's lifestyle mm, i see what you're saying probably closer oh, it's to actually three million, three million. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like when people think of but a millionaire, when did you learn that someone fact? who, which fact? <laughs> <laughs> when did you learn that fact? I don't understand. I don't understand the joke. No, when no, you'll did get the you joke learn? After. When did, when you, did learn you learn that when people think a millionaire, it's more like three million? Like, when did you learn that? <clears throat> well, I, I don't think it's a fact. What do you mean? When did you learn that belief? When did you believe that? When were you exposed to that stimuli? <laughs> Why? I don't understand. Just you're going to get question. it, man. It's totally not like... Uh, like a few years ago? I don't know. Like two years ago? Three years ago? Five yeah. years ago? 
Are you going to adjust that for inflation? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's probably closer to three. Like, cause if you think about it, like when someone thinks of a millionaire, they probably think of someone who can like, you know, like, like would have it, like could have a nice house or, you know, could travel the world and things like that. Like realistically, if you had a million dollars, you can't really like, like, like I'll still like, I'll be pretty poor. <laughs> like even at that, like I'll be, I'll just be like less poor. Yeah. I remember yeah. Um, when we moved to Canada, I was actually talking to James about this, like going back to Jordan, this is this kind of like surrealness because I think about all my family and where they live. And there's only like one. Uh, so my dad has five sisters and one brother. Only his brother made it out of Jordan into like the United States. They now live in Washington. So I just kind of like was very kind of getting grateful. And as I'm reminiscing, I, I don't know if I told you this, this guys, but like last week, my dad, after 17 years, became a Canadian citizen. What? That's cool. You didn't tell us that? You didn't even yeah. tell? Oh, cool. 17 years. I think you did tell us that. No, I did. I, I probably didn't. But um, me, my mom, and my two younger brothers became Canadian citizens when I was 18 years old. So... One of the cool things about that is you have to take an oath when you become a Canadian citizen. Um, I don't know what that oath is. Well, you didn't have to make take one. Well, I know that's what I'm saying, but I don't even know what it is. Is an onset like for people that I know that have had to take it. You ready? You want to hear it? Yeah. <clears throat> I swear or affirm that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to His Majesty. King Charles oh, yeah. III, King of Canada, his heirs and successors, and that I will faithfully observe the laws of Canada, including the Constitution, which recognizes and affirms the Aboriginal and treaty rights of First Nations, Inuit, and Matisse people, and fulfill my duties as a Canadian citizen. So when you do that, and you're swearing on your heart in front of like the flag and a judge, and once you do that, you sit down and the judge get, like, gives you a little speech. And it goes something like this. I'll never forget it. He's like, a lot of you in this room have spent a lot of, like, you have a lot of pride over the country you came from and the sacrifices you have made. But as of three o'clock at this moment, you are all now Canadian citizens. And that means abiding by high virtues and to be polite and representing the country. Think of it. It's like a kind of like a, he was kind of saying like begin again mm. in becoming mm. somebody who would be proud to represent themselves as a Canadian. So thank you all. And he basically, he ended it in, more, in a more sick way where he's like, you're now all officially Canadian citizens. Congratulations. That's and cool. I really felt like I was like introduced into like this fraternity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I left, I was in high school. I remember leaving class, doing my oath, and then coming back. And it's like I was, I belonged. Hmm. I can't, I can't fully explain it, but it was such an important, such an important moment. That's great. Yeah, man. If if my dad had like worse temper or made less money or had less success in the stock market, like he made, my dad made a lot of money in the stock market in Jordan. I wouldn't be here, right? And it's uh, in the, what in the Jordanian exchange? Yeah, I do. Yeah, weird. I yeah. didn't even. I didn't even know they had a stock. I mean, I guess every country probably has a stock. Yeah, he put like uh, put like fifty grand into a bank, 
that went from like two dollars to twelve or some shit. Yeah, dude. yo, dude, banks. That's where it's at. Banks, yeah, <laughs> John's like, yo, shout out banks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout banks out Jordanian like, yeah. banking. I would, yeah. I would probably not want to invest in Jordanian bank. I don't know. Same, right? No, no. But, it, but like, he didn't sell at the top, but he he made he made some good money. Although um, I guess it would be a pretty big moat to your business that like no, you can't like it's illegal to pay people interest on their on their deposits. So like that's pretty that's a competitive advantage. But then also it sucks because you can't really like. Because if you think about it, like, basically, like, what, like, so banks and, uh, I guess, no, because I guess even owning bonds would be considered, like, ursery. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how a bank would make money, just, like, service fees and things like that. I don't know, like, wealth management. Yeah. No clue. No clue. Well, what's interesting is, um, <clears throat> my uncle, which I'm going to stay in his place for 13 days, he's, like, like I said, he's extremely successful. He's hooking us up. We're staying there the whole time. He has a cook, a cleaner, and a driver that we have access to. It's incredible. Yo, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we, we'll we'll have him on this podcast if you guys want. We can sit down with him. We can interview him. Well, I would uh, love to do that. Yeah, yeah. John, are you down? Most likely. Yeah, yeah. okay. Let's talk about it. Uh, like, after. Um. Yeah, but um, the reason I bring this up to go off your goal for next year, John, is because I remember when we came to Canada, 2012, I remember like uh, there was a moment I was like looking out the window. My mom was like stressing over something. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to be a millionaire before I'm 30. And she was like, oh, come on. Like, you don't have to say that. Like, and I'm like, no, no, like I'm going to do it. And she was like uncomfortable of the idea of making a million dollars. And uh, yeah, I think that's an admirable goal, man. And do you remember, uh, John, what Grant Cardone said about, like, uh, yeah, I found this interesting. I don't know if I fully agree, but he says it's it's selfish to be poor. I mean, I could see it. Yeah. So, I don't know if I'll, I agree with it, but, I mean, I don't know if I disagree <laughs> with it. I, I think I'd have to, like, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to understand this position more, but, yeah. You know. Yeah, he, he basically was saying something on the gist of, like, if you can make more money and then you choose not to, you're being selfish. Well, the first yeah. million's a bitch too. Like, like oh it's God. like it's it's just so much fucking work, right? Well, the first hundred. Like it seems K, like the I mean, second. Well, the first hundred K is ridiculous. Feels like it's impossible. The first million's a total total hassle. It seems like it. It, it seems like <laughs> it'll snowball. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good Morgan quote right oh, there, dude. Making a million dollars such a hassle, you know. <laughs> No, it is. No, it no, is a no, fucking no, hassle, making, dude. No, no, not making a million. It's it's making and keeping a million. It's a fucking yeah, hassle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say we've all made a million almost. Oh, like easily. generated. I mean, I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of a hassle. But but I guess like okay, like so like my my like like off the top of my head, though, like so, like some like important milestones that I'm hoping or like some like kind of lose like lose goals I'm trying to achieve like one two million dollars in revenue with the painting business that's that's a goal um 500k with the uh pure business that's a goal um and then uh I want to bring on uh, Brady as a partner next year so the goal would be to like actually like, have it be a successful year with him such that at the end of the year he can buy into the business and become a partner with me um that's that's a key thing so like Brady's like my first sales rep going really well so far really want to make sure next next year's a success um obviously millionaire status which kind of goes in uh in hand in hand with all of that and then otherwise 
I'll probably have some like health goals and things like that that like I'm kind of building towards, but I don't know if I have like a definitive like end date or anything like that. You know, here's another thing that I that I've been thinking about that I don't know about you guys, but like my goals have become less year focused and more milestone focused. Have you guys 100%. noticed that at all with your own yes. lives? Like I feel yeah. like I like I feel like I'm less focused on like what I'm gonna achieve by a certain date per se and more like just achieve. Yeah, I'm trying to achieve something and it's like yeah. when it happens, it happens, and then I'm gonna try and get the next milestone, you know? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's certain milestones that because I feel like there's also certain things that you can't really put like a timeline on. You know? Um Yeah. Well, it's hard because yeah. we've never done it. So it would be No, but like for example, like I would um like I would like to have an uh, an investment that I can bring to you guys and be like, yo, like look how well this turned out, right? But, like, there's no way I can, like, tell you when that would happen, right? Yeah. What was your goal for Purer again? I zoned out. Uh, 500K. 500K. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 500K. Yeah. The Purer. goal The goal is, the, the the revenue goal for Aurelius is 3 million. No, that's, that's bold. That's yeah. bold. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What about you, Austin? Um, I haven't writ- wrote them down yet, but I do have my last year's goals that I've written down. Um, and uh, I'm going to be doing the same thing. I do it every, uh, like, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, mm. But mm. So, so I can tell you vaguely what they are, but I couldn't really tell you exactly what the dollar figures are. Um, so... Um, the only dollar figure I'm really not sure on uh, is the amount I want to coach on my team Uh, my personal franchise uh, the goal is 2.5 million Um, this year I did 1.5 I should correct that 1.46 I didn't hit my goal of 1.5 dude just write a check man Write myself a check for 40 grand to hit a goal. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Is it? For your integrity? Yeah. I don't know. I don't Dude, know. Well, I, okay, well, if that, it's for no, my that integrity, even, that defeats that wouldn't, the whole no, purpose. That wouldn't, that wouldn't even, yeah, I was going to say that's not even integrous. Yeah. Well, you got nine days, dude. But I hit them phone. <laughs> Yo, dude, I would, dude. You guys got, you got to throw a roof up, roof up on Christmas Day. Yo, it, yeah. This the problem is that we have like, we have like four hundred or three hundred and fifty k in sales for next year, and we just can't produce it because it's fucking winter. Oh, so you have a hundred, one point four million produced. Yeah, one point four six million produced. Mm. Yeah. Um, goal is two point five. One point, but like one point seven sold. Uh, one point eight sold. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, it's not even the new year. Ooh, yeah, I know. That's good. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So the goal is two point five next year, um, and I, I, I'm just gonna have to get back to you on the coaching figure. I haven't really. Uh, I guess that's also kind of somewhat out of your control too, right? Because I mean, the yeah, I was about to. That yeah, was yeah, literally yeah, what yeah. I was thinking. That's yeah. literally what I was thinking. Um, uh, and then I've already signed uh, a full time salaried production coordinator and a sales manager for my location for next year. So that that's I've done. Everything I can except sign a driver. I need to find a driver. So I need to fi- hire and find a driver. Uh, Wait, you're going to have a driver next year? Uh, 
Yeah, like a driver who's running material, collecting final payments, doing final inspections, etc. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna do. I, I thought you were gonna get like a chauffeur. I'm like, dude, oh, I've been doing that for so long. No, I'm not. I'm nowhere <laughs> near a driver, dude. Imagine. <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely could imagine a driver because I, I would, I would just make it a secretary kind of thing. You know? Yeah. True. 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 Um. So yeah, well, one of the things we didn't even ask Patrick, but one of the things Patrick's working on is actually getting like an assistant, like physically to like yeah, yeah. be in his yeah. office to follow yeah. him around, yeah, do errands for him. It's yeah. gonna be very cool. Yeah, he was a talking P- about that too. Very cool. I'm actually very curious to see how that works out for him because I that's like I think that's like the next big thing I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you start with a part time virtual assistant, then a full time virtual assistant, then maybe a part time personal assistant, then a full time. I think I'm just going to go straight from no virtual to just straight, like just having someone. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, do whatever you want. And then, so that's, that's business. And my, uh, um, my, uh, like to, to to maybe speak a little bit more personally or uh, specifically on the financial side it would be to uh fully build my house and finish the basement and be living in it with uh zero impact on my ability to s- continue investing live in the basement no 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 finish the basement oh okay <laughs> Like to, to have Dude, zero. But that's have, low key though. You should build out the basement suite, <clears throat> rent yeah. out the top floor. Yeah, that's why we that's why we bought this lot lot because it, it's a walkout basement that we're building. So, but you should rent. But you should rent out the top floor though. Uh, yeah. Let's get Miranda on here. You could sell her on that. Hey, dude, yeah. get her on a get her on a phone call <laughs> with like with like Dan. Dan Kendra done that. They, they live for free. It's like a million dollar home. No, I know. But I, like the thing is, the reason why we can afford to build a house is because it's extremely cheap to do so. So the value of the house actually doesn't offset like. Um, if we were to like if they live for free. Uh, that means that they're renting out like a majority of their house that's in like a pretty good state, like it's a renovated yes. part of their house. Yeah. Yes. So like if we did that. It just wouldn't where it's located. The rent wouldn't really offset. Uh, well, I guess it would. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It would offset the vast majority, if not all. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Dude, that's a baller move. Oh, it's a highly baller move. But, but the 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 challenge is that. Well, yeah, I guess like uh, at the end of the day, I'm fucking open to anything. But this is half of Miranda's investment too, and Miranda makes a very good income now. So I I would want to see you. Uh, and to see John John V Miranda Dude, on this low key man, because like, it's Miranda while, one Austin Trisha zero on that. Pitch me on buying a trailer in cash and living in it, and I'm like, yo, I, I might I might just cop that. Who who Trisha you? pitches you on buying a trailer and living in it? <clears throat> yeah, like a mobile home. Yeah. Dude, that's insane. That's crazy. That's yo, that's respect. respect. Yeah. yeah. See why you're marrying her. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. She's like, man, like we could live here mortgage free. I'm like, yeah, you know. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to live in a trailer. She's like, I don't know. She's pulling a Goggins on you. You're like, whoa, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, I don't know if I want this. Um, <laughs> that's cool. So yeah, fin- so, so, so here's a solution. You build a third floor. Yeah, there you go. Just boom. I'll do it though. I'll do it once it's done. I'll just rip off the new roof and be like, let's go. I'm, Dude, I'm, you put a I'm tiny house hacking. on the property. Rent out both. That's like, like I'm saying, a, you live in the tiny home and you rent on the whole house. Mm, mm. That'd be sad. And then you build a garage, but you turn it into a living space, and then you rent. 
<laughs> dude, and then you rent and out half your park, tiny home. The parking yeah, dude, space you for a car? You go, an dude, RV? You rent out the even. RV space. Dude, not even. You go, you go live underneath a bridge and you rent out the whole property. Yeah. And then you live underneath that bridge, you build a little shelter, you rent out that fucking shelter. And then you yeah, package yeah. it all and sell it to a bank and call it a CDO. Yeah. <laughs> you mean it's dog shit wrapped in cat shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, it's to fully build the house and to have no impact on my um, on my net worth and to, and also my ability to invest. Like I still want to hit my yearly investing quotas at the same time. Yeah. So that's gonna like that that would make me really feel um, like victorious, you know, with building this this property. Um, <clears throat> um, and then the other thing is uh, to get in. Um, well, it's, I'm going to compete. I've already registered for this, but I'm competing in a, in a CrossFit uh, competition uh, as of late February. So it'll be my, my first like uh, uh, athletics competition in probably close to 10 years, maybe like eight years. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for it. And uh, <laughs> Yo, so- John, do you know bro science? Yo, CrossFit isn't bro science, though. Just to be clear, Emmer. You no, you no, are bro science. You're just a fucking gym rat. Guy who runs to the gym. Bro, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, bro science. I know the channel. This this guy. Oh, God. Okay, it's loading. But this is my favorite video ever. And it's oh, about what CrossFit. is CrossFit? And I, and I can't not roast you every Yo, time. Yo, I, I just want to be clear here, Emmer. You're asking me about my yearly goals that, I, that I'm, like, taking really seriously. And then you're bringing up this parody of why it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> what is crossfit amber this isn't gonna work huh? <laughs> it's not gonna work because they can't see the video no but you can just hear what he says but amber has a passion for roasting crossfit but deep Listen, down in his soul in. no no hold on deep down in his soul he knows he couldn't last like a 10 minute workout he'd get crop dusted for sure uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I've thought about doing CrossFit, but then I've realized that I just don't want to get injured. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have no comment. If, I don't know what yeah. that even means. Like, you mean you mean CrossFit essentially has no form and is just a way to injure Dude, yourself? It, John's literally watched that video. That's one of the jokes. No, I've not seen ever. the video. I just every single person I've ever met that that's done CrossFit gets injured. What? Oh, okay. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's very stereotypical. Yeah. Because like you can eating, really sure. hurt yourself. Well, I guess you're right. I guess you could hurt yourself because you're moving a bunch of weight really fast. Um, yeah. There's a you're very, this- there's a very no, like, it's, it's, safe it's way to do it. It's just risk versus reward. Well, there's safe ways to do it, but I'm saying once you start competing, I mean, you know, all of a sudden now you're getting competitive. You're not. Yeah, maybe not I will injure myself. Sometimes. I guess only time will tell. But I, I really, I really, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I hope you um, don't. It's something I've really enjoyed and I and I love and I've kind of, I haven't really f- enjoyed a sport this much since I stopped playing hockey and uh, like 10 mm. years ago. So we just call CrossFit a sport. Yeah, it's a sport. Is it? Yeah. It's CrossFit. I would say it's a sport. Ammer, Ammer, even if we did a CrossFit workout that requires no risk of injury, meaning like there's no heavy barbell cycling, there's no like snatches or whatever, right? 
like basic movements that you would be doing in the gym anyway. If we did that, uh, I, I guarantee you, you wouldn't last 10 minutes. I could design a workout that would have you quitting at minute five. I was but in Ottawa, he, but, but if he but if he practiced it enough, I mean, he could no, but I know, but it. I'm just saying, like, Ammer doesn't have the respect for the sport to I even know. go like, oh, it's not yeah, called a like, sport. Yeah, I'm googling it; it doesn't say it's a sport. No, I'm saying it's so difficult that you're just gonna hurt yourself. Yeah, I get I John's. Option, I have so see, much John's for it, I don't John's care. objection is actually rooted in like logic. No, mine, mine is isn't. This is I'm purely just committing every fallacy I mean, he, in the book. In Amherst offense, he did bring up bro science as a source. It wasn't like he was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I know. Just he's... type in bro science CrossFit and just you know. Cross- no, I CrossFit. To the, what was that interview with the guy? Physical like exercise philosophy. Are you joking, and, bro? And, and a keep reading the sentence. What are you dude? talking about? It's the same. It's the same. Emma, are you says. well, dude? Okay, come on. Yo, Emma. finish the <laughs> sentence, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you, man. Uh, I, I just want to do CrossFit with you. I just want you to know that. You and I have a date. I was in Ottawa. You invited me. And I'm like, well, you can just come pick me up. You can do that. Yeah, I realized it wasn't going to be feasible because Patrick lives 40 minutes in the opposite direction. So it would have been an hour and 10 minutes to, or hour to get to the gym and then an hour back. It just would have been like half the day to get you in there for an hour workout. Wouldn't have made sense. But next time you come to Ottawa, you're going to stay at my place. You're going to stay at my new house. Okay. Next Christmas, when you're here for the Christmas party, you're going to. house done? August. You're going to stay. Why? That's crazy fast. Well, we bought the land in in May. We bought the land this May. It's going to be 16 months, 17 months. Um, Patrick's house has taken like three years. Well, I'm getting. Yeah, but I'm getting a. like a, a factory is building my house and then they drive it out on a oh, truck yeah, and right. put it together and then they side it and all and roof true, it true, and true. shit. But Patrick's like building it on the ground up, you know, like like a little, you know, like a true, true train there. Eh? You fucking guy. Okay. Uh, so uh, what was I saying? Lost my train of thought with Emmer's. Uh, you're talking about CrossFit as one of your goals. Oh, yeah. You're going to stay here for Christmas and you're going to come to the workout with yeah. me next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so 2.5 mil. 2.5 mil. CrossFit and then, competition. CrossFit competition. And um, I don't really know how to quantify this, but getting in the best shape of my life. Like I've already made a very mm. significant advancement. Of, Aren't you already there right now? No, no. I have probably like six, six to eight months left of like ex- okay. ex- yeah like very optimized lifestyle changes when were you the health- healthiest when you were a production manager uh yeah probably 20 2016 2017 yeah production manager austin yeah like i got down to 180 183 and i was sure. very lean and now i'm like i was at 220 this year now i'm at 202 and uh trying to get uh i have a lot more muscle mass but i'm just trying to become a little bit more like i'm, I'm essentially just trying to become shredded to to, to 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 minimize to simplify the goal um i would say cool. i'm about like 40 percent of the way there i've made some pretty significant changes in my I'm lifestyle on the reverse. i'm just on the other other side of the weight spectrum yeah yeah so um that and then i would say also uh spending a lot more time with my mom and my sister that would be my. Nice. That would be a success for me for the year. If I got Solid. to do all those things. Solid. <clears throat> I had a realization this year nice. that uh, 
Like you, our parents are getting old, man. Yeah, we've <clears throat> we <clears throat> we went to this exercise many times, right? Like the how many times you can see them kind of thing. Yeah, but just like I realized that more f- recently for some reason, just like holy shit, like every time I talk to my mom, like she sounds like she's getting old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh man. Gosh. Well, no, that's what I that's what made me think of. It. I was talking to my mom on the phone. I'm like, wow, you actually sound older i thought she would be so pissed if she heard me say that no, like, like, my mom, like, sounds like she like sound you know yeah like she likes like forgets things i'm like oh, okay yeah. yeah yeah the forgetting <laughs> the forgetting is actually no i roast my parents if they saw any show any sign of age i'm like yeah that's it it's coming we'll get that will ready i want the house <laughs> amber what about you man what uh any preliminary goals you got going on for next year yeah mostly like skill wise I feel like I just want to get better. Like, I just want to get smarter and, like, more skillful at what I'm doing. I think if I can do that, it's, like, inevitable everything else will fall into place. Makes sense. Um, yeah, and the skill set specifically, I want to I want to become a better sales manager. Um, yeah, but, like, what does that mean, though? I don't understand. Like, Yeah, I was going to say, dude, everything you've said so far isn't really quantifiable. I don't it think. is, it is, it is, it is, it is. Well, like, for me to be a good sales manager means that the sales team is producing more than I've ever produced in the past. No, but, but I, 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 I I mean, I was following you up until the, like I was following you up to the part where you said, okay, like, Hey, I want to like develop the skills. Okay. Like I was, I'm there with you. Like I get that part. I mean, okay. So like my goal and I want that we have to develop skills in order to achieve those. But then when you say like, I just want to be better at something, it's like, nah, I don't know. Like, it's like, that's just too, it ends up being this, no, but it ends up being this thing where like you can like, how do you hold yourself in, uh, to integrity on that? Like, how do you hold yourself accountable? Like Amber, there's, there's no doubt in our mind that you're gonna be a better sales manager at the end of next year than you are now. Oh, I guess, I guess I have it like, a, um, that's why there's milestones or goals. Usually goals are like a milestone or some sort of like number, because then it's like, oh, like, God, hey, okay. Like, in order for me to like, I have to be a good enough sales manager in order to produce these results. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Amber, I would say a goal that sounds like it could be oriented towards your, uh, the skills you want to get better at. Amber would wants be, to do tw- uh, $1.2 million US. So one um, uh, Canadian next year. Why, why did you read that? Yeah, dude, loud? what the fuck? <laughs> Because, well, Amber, if, it, Amber, if you come back from a Tony Robbins event saying you want to make a million dollars in a year, then you, you have to be able to say that you want to do $1.5 million. Yeah, but there's obviously a reason he put it in the chat, though, John. Like, you know, yeah. just yeah, like take, take a hint. He just wanted to put me on blast. Take a hint. He knew what he's doing. Um, well, what's the reason? Didn't, well, what's the, I, I no, but what's the reason, though? What's the what reason? Well, when when are we ever hidden revenue goals? Like, what's the, what, what's the point of that? Like, what, like, what was the reason? What am I missing? Of, of what? I'm so confused over your question right now. No, no, I was asking Austin. Uh, well, I don't know. It just seemed like Amber obviously put it in the chat for a reason, so I was just respecting. Yeah, but that was yeah, but that was well, I wasn't though. Yeah, I know. I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that was this interaction right here in the last two minutes was so fitting of our personalities. Amber was like, dude, what the fuck? Take a hint. John's like, I refuse to take any hints. And then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, yeah that made total to sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, basically not every month, but I want I want us to crack that milestone. I think if we can do 100 in a month, that would be like a. Yo, you're going so like into your bu- busy season, right? Like, uh, or aren't you in your busy season? Because you're in like, you naturally sell more when jobs are in low demand. I've only been like I have no clue. This is only our second year fully. I, per- personally, I would think sure. that you would have a similar boom that gyms would have. 
Yeah, I could agree. That's my Jan- January has been I've I've only had I've only gone through one January and our January last year was our worst month of the year. Interesting. But you're so yeah, radically I mean, different I, so there's Amher, no conclusion that this you could way. draw from that. Yeah, exactly. well I mean but here's the thing that but also it's like Amber like I just I can't help but think that like January should be your best month. Yeah, I kind of agree. Maybe February Wait, like, actually. I, I have I no but but I think what though Austin like don't you think that he should be a part of like, like, you know, like that whole crowd of people that all get in the gym? I guess that's not your demographic though. You don't really want those people, I suppose. Right. Not really. No. But, it, but, but I mean, think about this, man. Everyone has personal development in their mind in January. Yeah. Like, like if there's, there's, there's people month, sitting yeah. around with the world and saying yeah. what we're saying to each other about our goals next year, but to themselves or to other people. And if they yeah. saw Amher's opportunity in January, I think they'd be more likely to pounce on it. I agree. I think that's why one of my, I think my second best <laughs> sales month of the year is usually January. The next yeah. best is February, then March, then April. And then it kind of falls off from there. Right. Oh, like it's literally in order of the calendar months until fifth place. Uh, that my big, no, no, no. January is my second best month. February is my first. March is probably my third third best month and then april is probably my fourth and then fifth sixth yeah so on yeah and then, yeah, and then you know it, well maybe not though because then it picks up a little bit in september hilarious weird and roofing is that the best sales month hands down every year is april yeah april, i can see that april roofing Tax return Canada, season i can april, see I can and see then it, also yeah. october october yeah is, i can see uh, it mine has more to do with just uh how much availability we have though like i, I could just as easily make may my best month if i just didn't book as much work it's just the issue is that we turn away a lot of work in april and may whereas in Ju- january we can make as many commitments as we, like our schedule is wide open in january yeah, yeah. Right? like i can make you know but um but it makes sense though because i think like in january people are like oh you know honey you've been telling me we're gonna get the house painted for many years like here they are let's let's get this let's just, let's just if we get this book now then we know we're gonna get it done you know like i think yeah, that's probably yeah, part yeah. of the argument you know yeah so i am right i could see you being a part of that wave like you should that's i think that should be your mindset yeah i mean i'm, I'm going for it so as a sales like January, manager, like a 200 K month, like you could clean up two months worth just in January, in my opinion. Yeah. As a sales manager, I, I'd want us uh, like for the year to do around like 750. Um, as a sales unit, um, US. And then the other skill I want to acquire is like around marketing. So I want to generate at least a quarter million from a new ad that is not the one that we currently have and at least a hundred thousand from so another your, your your ad portfolio Amber, what is so your if I, sorry sorry i jumped the gun there go ahead um th- that is very important for me so gaining that skill set i think will be very important for me and then the last skill set is like around our program i like i want to get it to a world-class level like and i have an idea of what that looks like and I have people that I'm like kind of starting to reach out to, to like, you know, do like a kind of a third party audit of the program. So I've had like Dan, for example, go through one of our most important sections of the program and he gave it a big thumbs up and he's going to do 3 million this year. So just m- more of that. I'm going to approach you. That's that a great idea. Uh, non-partial. Oh, dude. He, he, yeah, he, you would, you would, you would need someone who's like completely unbiased. Unfortunately, Dan knows you too much. Not that I don't think that Dan would be able, will would be able to be like a be objective, but I feel like you'd have to have a. He was, party. he was, he was like with well, that no, thumbs but, but you need someone who's like legit doesn't know you. Like you'd have to like, 
oh, okay. pay them to give you like critical feedback. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would guess, agree. I guess it'd be yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, cool, cool. Um, uh, but like the results speak for themselves. But I think like I just want, I just want, I just really, I want somebody to like just be blown away. And we have people blown away, but I want a higher percentage of people. We have a lot of people like, man, this is really good. So you want some people? Worse. Yes. Okay, what's your NPS score? Yeah, uh, we haven't taken one. Well, that's that's probably the most objective. That's a third party thing. I mean, that's that's like that's like the most third party. What's an MPS score? Yeah, promoter score. It's it's like a third party company that will reach out to your customers and actually like get them to like give like feedback. Oh, six. You can do it for any business, really. Every almost every major business in the world has an MPS score, like Coca-Cola, you know, whatever. Because it's like their whole like it's a business, but their whole pitch is that like they actually are the only like third party verifier of like people's customers' experience. Like so it's 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 more accurate than Google, for example. Because Google, it's like, yes, you get your friends or your family and like you know, your best customers are posted on there, and then there's always some asshole who posts a one star review. But MPS is like a, a much more objective um review system. Crazy. And there's like a whole like breakdown of how it works. Um, but like world class is like above 60. Got it. But can you like keep retaking? Can you keep trying? Yeah, well, it's it an ongoing time? thing. Oh, okay, cool. It's an ongoing thing. World, what's is it out of 100? Yeah. All right. Like you can look up like NPS scores of like notable companies. Like you can just do that and it'll show you like what they are, you know? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna just write this down. MPS score. But it's but it's completely third party. Now they're not gonna go through your course, but they'll reach out to all your customers though. Yeah, no, I know. Well that's the most important thing. Like, so if you want like a like cold hard truth of whether or not you're actually like building because like net promoter score is basically there's like detractors. These are people that who like are like are customers of yours that would like leave and basically like detract from your brand saying, yo, this company fucking sucks. Mm, then yeah. there's like people who are there's a bunch of people who are neutral as in like they're not really doing anything for your brand like they used your service they were happy but like they're just meh like they're just whatever like they were happy but they're not going to necessarily like promote or uh, uh detract from your brand but then there's promoters these are the people who are like yo this is the sauce like you need to try this right now and those so the higher your nps score um the more the the stronger your brand cool yeah and to, the answer to your question, Austin, is this year we got 15 referrals. Uh, well, that's, that's awesome. pretty solid for a business that's like yours. Good. So um, yeah. But my okay. question was going to be, what's your referral system or strategy currently like? We'll, we'll just pay you for whatever the cost per acquisition is, like for the year averaged out. Oh, cool. So if our cost per acquisition is like, I don't know, thousand bucks Canadian, I'll give you a thousand bucks Canadian. Oh. Because you helped me acquire a customer. And that's a cost like I'm willing to pay. So here you go. Huh. Interesting. I, my advice would be to just make it a flat amount. Yeah. Try yeah. I like the honesty and transparency in it, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's cool, though. Um, question for all of us. What do we want to achieve with the podcast next year? where do we dude, see honestly where do we see this going it in- seems like whatever we're doing is going like really good yeah i yeah, know you know i almost think that the best goal we can make is to not make a goal for the podcast have a pot maybe i have a goal for our friendship i think that's like the Actually, real question here's one thing i would really like to do i would really i really want to do two patreon retreats next year mm. what's the what's I the logic do behind one, the two i want to do semi-annual okay 
But like, is there I a really difference? Do one, yeah, because I really want to do one during the summer, and I really want to do one in the winter. Like every year we meet, it's always cold and like fucking like snowy. Like I want to do one in the summer <laughs> where we can all have like I don't know, just like really good weather. Also, want the trips to be longer. Like I really, really want to do like a mansion trip, like where we rent like a house in like Vegas or something like that. Not like that we go to like the casinos. I, and I keep saying Vegas, but it could, it could just as well as well be like uh, Glendale, Arizona, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but I really want to do two Patreon trips. One summer, one winter. Well, if we're doing that, we should probably start planning it. Because that's yeah, not should. far away. I mean, we're not going to do it right on this call, but yeah, we should no, do it. No, I know. Mean, I want to do yeah. it like, I want to do it, I would say like, I don't know, like, dude, July 4th, like we should do Independence Day in America. Okay. Raise right hand, pledge allegiance to the United States of America. I'm just saying, like, it'd be epic to go, like, go down there and just, like, yeah. Okay. Okay, so also, two Patreon trips. I think by having semi-annual Patreon trips, I feel like, like, because, you know, if you think about it, like, it would suck, like, for someone uh, to, like, join. Like, I feel like it gives people more opportunities, to, like, to, to join and go on a trip. Yeah, no, I see that. I see yeah. that for sure. Um... Also, I just had such a good time. Like honestly, like it's just Yeah, I know. I think we're we our Patreon group is so uh it's so diverse, but it's so perfect. Like it's, it's it just works. In. It's dialed like the diversity of the people in this group multiplied by their level of interest and commitment to further their and advance their life just creates this insane reality. No, it's it's a really good environment and like I feel like we've already had like like notable like n- like moments on our patreon trip that like we'll all remember for the rest of our lives oh, like, that, like that part when marco reached over the table and bro and it's an inside joke <laughs> but like that was one of the most epic things that ever was happened in my entire life that was sick. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah the patreon group is very uh it, it I, i'm really looking forward to it and, and question for you guys then about patreon mm. Currently, we have three tiers, and they're capped. Uh, first tier has ten. Second tier has five. Third tier has five. And they're all full. No, tier one and two are sold out. And then, uh, I think there's only two spots left in the third tier. So there's we actually only have two spots left. And I think we said we were gonna cap it at twenty. I think we're gonna hit. You 20. know what, man. I think we do 20. I mean, I don't want to make any commitments in the podcast. This is all subject to change. Yeah. So don't, no one hold me accountable to this. <laughs> this is all I subject think to we change. Out, I think we cap it out at 20, and we only open up new spots that people leave. Like, 20 is yeah, adequate. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, 20 is adequate. 20 is super adequate. And also, Wait, how, how many people do we have sucks. right now? Like, today, because I've been reading so many, like, physical books lately, because I've just been kind of falling we have back 18 in love with, like, paper. But uh, having to, like, send that many, uh, you know, like, when I'm doing my uh, Kindle, like, thing like it takes me like a like a couple sec like it takes me quite a while to actually like click everyone's email like to like send i don't know mm. does that make sense yeah yeah like when i'm doing the kindle i don't know yeah yeah i think 20 is the limit yeah so yeah we got uh we got this yeah so it's 10 out of 10 5 out of 5 and then 3 out of 5 so two more so if you're listening to this there's literally two more spots and we're not really willing to open up another one if you've got a, like a new year's resolution that you want to surround yourself with like-minded people i mean like honestly like that's probably my best sales pitch right there i would say like give it a shot yeah it's pretty legit 
Well, I would just yeah. say I've that I've actually like, gotten a lot of value from our listeners, like from like from the Patreon. Oh, dude, like, like, like on like those monthly calls. Yeah, on those monthly. Well, dude, calls. I mean, think about this. Cam is like basically changing my life right now. Yeah, me too. All three of us. Yeah, Cam. Which, is... Which, by uh, the way, I think we can all shadow Cam at this point. Yeah, nope. Cam is. No, no, no. What, Amber? You're the only guy who puts anything in his body that he wants too. Like, no, 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 no. Don't forget, I was customer number one. Okay, so. We will do it right. You know what? I kind of hate still that that's another- a thing because I feel like he's always going to use that against us. I know because we made him do it. Use what against us? The wait and see. Like can't. Like, sorry, not can. No, Amherst, no. so that guy, he'd be like, dude, I was, I was number one. <laughs> oh, dude, for sure. I was number one with Matt Andrews. I'll let you know that. Number one, in a lot of things. yeah. But hold on, Ammer. You said you weren't going to shout out Matt Andrews until you have money in your account. Never did. Never well, you just said it. Like, you're like, who's number one with Matt Andrews, motherfucker? Yeah, but it could have been a mistake. I never vouched or endorsed him. Uh, Okay. I mean, I don't know why you're not saying, like, are you going to sit here and tell me that you didn't I'm think publicly that... publicly endorse Cam. Invest- <laughs> yeah, me too. I, are you going to sit here and say do whatever you want? No, but are you going to actually sit here and say? Amber, guess what? I was first to endorse him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Count, Yo, uh, Amber, who started? Well, who it does. Started it doesn't count. Amber counts. You didn't want to endorse him. I did. There you go. I'm fucking first. <laughs> I was I'm first to endorse him. You know what? <laughs> I'm actually pissed that John beat me to it because I wanted to endorse Cam first, but Amber, no, I can't. Being the first guy to drink Coke is like whatever. Being the first guy to be like, yo, this is good. That's impressive. <laughs> that's foresight. Dude. That's foresight. The level that John can fuck with Hammer is so amazing. I no, there's another excited. month left. And then I will I will tell the listeners my full thoughts and opinions on working with a specific. I've already coach. I already started a website that has a blog for four posts all about Cam. So what are we gonna do? <laughs> It's like a website like Save Walter White. But yeah. it's like... Cam fan page. John Morgan the third just only poster. <laughs> Subreddit. Uh, yeah. So once I get paid, once I finish the the agreement, I will tell you Ammer, or maybe not Ammer, tell you Ammer. about some people that I've worked with. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's just that simple. So I think the podcast uh, Patreon at twenty is great. I think that's going to promote a very good group. Um, uh size and also dynamic um here's the question though i briefly brought this up to ammer and we also have our 200th 200th episode coming up and um what better way to invest our patreon funds than in actually getting like a big time name on the podcast is that something that would interest you at all john dude we austin we're broke when it comes to that dude alex i already told john about this on the on the one you missed yeah no, no, and you then, texted and then me. We... Dude, I think no, that... No, no, I, I know, but I told John about it. I, I, it's just not our, it's not our style. I think it would... A hundred grand for Alex Hormozzi for one hour. You do the math on that, we can get him on with all the money in our bank account for two minutes. <laughs> I think it was. I think <laughs> no, it's like well, okay. 47 seconds. Obvious. I'm not even kidding. Ammer, Obvi- obviously... We're not getting Alex Hermosi on the podcast, okay? I'm I'm saying that w- what if we got someone on that was, I guess we probably have to save up for a lot longer, but no, it's just but Austin, I, I just I like why if we like, were I, mean, I don't know. Well, dude, I guess okay. Here's uh, the question then, John: Amber, What would you, know you want to invest the? To, what would you want to invest you know, the Patreon funds in? I'll tell you who'd be sick to get on the fucking podcast. Who? Jeff Gannon. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. No. He Who's do Jeff it. Gannon? 
Now, now he, he won't come on. By the way, but yeah, he's the uh, he's one of the uh, the big boys in the other podcast uh, called what is it called? Focus Should we even shout him out for free? I don't know if we shout him out for free. I I shout him out for free. Focus compounding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Focus compounding. Yeah, oh, they're sick. like uh, as close as you could get to like a uh, value investor podcast. Pretty good. They're the most like throw. How many listeners do you think they have? I bet they don't have that many listeners. I bet they have like three, four hundred listeners. No, wrong. You I'd think they have a lot? T- yeah, like five to ten thousand. You think? Hundred percent. Yeah, but how many how many followers do they have on their Twitter? Like, I don't even know if they have that many. Like, <laughs> let me see. That was an interesting sneeze. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I don't think they're very big. Like, I don't think they're like that big. Like, their YouTube videos only have like, like maybe like maybe a couple hundred views. I don't know. That's my guess. I mean, if you're starting an entire fund based off the podcast, you probably have a big listening. No, 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 no. They had the fund before the podcast. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let me see. Here. John, what would you propose that we do with the with the funds then? Like, they're, eventually they're going to be put towards something. Stack. Yeah, we're either going to die. They do die. have 35,000 followers, actually. So, I mean, that's actually pretty, that's pretty. But we're going to go, you're saying we're just yeah, going to like accumulate this money. And then when we die, we're going to give it to our kids or something. Like what, what, what ends up happening with this money? Well, no, like, just be fucking patient, well, the, man. Yeah. You got like yeah. $45 and 36 cents in there. Like just chill out. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm looking. That's what, that's what it is. No, I'm asking what your thoughts are. I'm not asking if you like make a decision or what we're going to do with it next year. It's just like, what do you think eventually happens? I'm just curious to understand your decision. Dude, just was just holding in crypto. No. Well, according to according to right now, franchise, according to Austin, we should just uh, we should just buy uh, Tesla shares. Oh, my God. Ooh. What a throwback. Ooh. Ooh, John, you want to bring that up? Actually, I, I forgot. I forgot. My goal in 2023 is to buy more Tesla shares. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have legit. I'm going to, I can look up how many shares I have if you guys really want to break this down again because it's not much. Oh my God, dude. I'm just pulling this up. Yeah, right Tesla shat the bed. Lordy, Lord. Lordy, Lord. Wait, we Go started on. the podcast. Oh, no. This is when. This is when this is when we started the podcast. Yeah, man. It was $20. Oh, my God. There you go. Yeah. 20 bucks. And now it's a 137 bucks. Fair enough. Here, Austin, you want to see something? Oh, dude, Smith & Wesson is climbing recently. No. Oh, wait, no, <laughs> no, it's not. Right. No, no, no. Sorry. No, it's not. Smith and Wesson is down fifty-two percent in the last year. Yay! Year to date. Do a five-year chart. Oh, it is down fourteen percent five years to date. Okay. For that dividend yield, four point seven four percent. Market cap. It's getting cheaper and cheaper by the day. John, man, I spent a lot of time. Um, I, I flew back from Ottawa to Toronto 
And on that plane ride, I was like reading the Smith. I went, I finished the Ruger one and I started reading the uh, Smith and Wesson one. And I got to the risks of Smith and Wesson. And I'm just like, man, like, I really don't think Smith and Wesson is a great company. I think it's a good company that is now has a very fair price. And that was just strictly off the risks that I saw. Um, yet again, I've only read. I was gonna say you've only read two. Most just, we should we should yeah we should label that I've only read two of them, and that I've yeah, only been read. seriously logically thinking about this for like maybe a week, while John has done this for a year. So you definitely spent it, more time on interesting this. enough, but it does scare me as a yeah. company. Well, yeah, yeah. Interesting enough, most, like, so risk factors can go one of two days. One, most risk factors, and by the way, what Amber's talking about is uh, when, yeah. you, when you're reading an annual report, okay, or in this case, a 10K, you're going to have, like, a, a, a section of the 10K that's going to basically just risk all, the company itself will identify all of the risk factors they have of, you know, you potentially investing in their company, okay? Now, all companies have these. Most will have like a lot of the generic ones. Like, like there, there'll be a lot of commonalities between companies. Like all companies now have like a section of like COVID, right? Most have something around like their brand or their goodwill impairment. Um, most have something surrounding like suppliers and their, you know, ability to, you know, uh, source the raw materials and things like that. Or uh, yeah, just like most of them have, have like certain, you know, uh, like most of them will have some sort of macroeconomic thing. Um now, what's interesting about like Smith and Wesson, though, for example, is a lot of the risk factors that Amherst probably identifying are actually what I would even actually, I would actually flip it on the other head and say that's actually part of the reason why it's a higher quality business. Interesting. Like, for example, like what, what which risk factor do you think is the most scary to you? It's it's definitely the political one. Yeah. So so th- this is it's actually this potentially one. relating to economic, political, social, legislative, regulatory, inflationary, and health factors. So Amherst. Hammer. Yes, Th- this is the interesting thing. So, when did guns sell the most? COVID. Okay, but when did they sell best before then? 9 11 or 08? War. Basically, every single time there's a huge political storm, people buy guns. So, like, Smith and Wesson, like, if you actually go, like, Go pull up the risk. Go go pull up the the part where they actually talk about the political risk. Yeah, it's in front of me here. Amber, who's gonna who's Amber? Think about this though. Who's gonna start a gun business? No, that's that's different. That's a different risk. Risk no, it's to not. yes, no, no, it no, is. No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying the political risk that's gonna keep people out of this business. Yeah, but if one Amber. If you're a bank, who's loaning money to a bank uh, to a gun company that's not established already? Like if you if you wanted to open up a gun none, company, tomorrow, none, 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 none. Exactly. But there's already enough international and national competitors. There's a lot of them. It's, no, it's not. like in. Oh God! How do you spell competitive, dude? Amherst, I'm not the best. I already spelling. know who they're going to say. They're they're going to say Taurus, Ruger, Sig Sauer, and Daniel Defense. There's a gun company called Daniel Defense. 
Correct, in the modern sporting rifle. So they, they, they compete against... Uh, Daniel in, Defense. In the revolver, in, in revolvers and pistols, like in handguns, they compete against Ruger and Taurus. In modern sporting rifles, they compete against um, uh, Daniel Defense, Ruger, Sig Sauer. But if you but if you read the part where they talk about competition, they also they every single gun company acknowledges the same thing, Emma, which you would have read, which is that yes, yes, though, I saw I saw it laid though, out. Even though they have competitors, they all they all have their own uh, would say niches that they compete in, like that they all they, they almost they all have their own little niche that they've carved out. We operate in highly competitive consumer markets. Our competitors include da 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 da. But like yeah. it's literally it's called we face intense competition. R- Ruger never phrased it this way. So like I I, I maybe you Amber, but hold on, but hold on, but, you, but that you can pull back on that though. Literally every single company says we have intense competition. There's not a, like even Coca Cola says we face competition. I don't know if they say the word intense. That just threw me off. I remember reading wow. that. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you can go see if they compete. <laughs> You, you can look at their financial results. Yeah, no, I know. I think Smith Wesson is underpriced. I just, I, I doubt if it is the best, it's the greatest company. Like, if, if I think of a great company, I think of Apple. Like, that's a great company. Like, they've mastered the retail side of this. They own most of their chain. They're mostly exposed to like their resources, like the um, and and their production. But they're so big at this point, and they have billions and billions stashed away. And yeah, by no by no stretch. I'd like to be West and, and Apple. Yeah, but like that's a Apple is a great company, and I just I just wonder like why is there like uh, I know very little. Like I I know very little about this stuff, and I'm not trying to speak from a place of like knowledge. I'm just speaking from a place of like pattern and recognition, or just what I'm currently exposed to, which is, you know, Warren Buffett said he'd rather buy a great business at a fair price well, than Amher, a Amher, fair business I mean, at a great price. Well, but Amher, I mean, Smith & Wesson, I think, I, I think arguably is a great business. Like, I, I mean, we, we could sit here and argue about it, but I, I think Smith & Wesson is a great business. Okay, so like, here, here's with, the main thing. I, I read this book. Of, we, could li- we could go down the list of things that make something a great business, right? Yeah, we tried like, to do that over the phone, but yeah, give me a couple. Well, what okay, makes like, a great business. Uh, low innovation. So you look at when Apple actually became a great business, it's when innovation was lowest. BlackBerry had way. Think about this. Black. Think about the rise and fall of Black and BlackBerry. That's when all the in, that's when all the innovation was in that industry. BlackBerry had one of the biggest like had one of the biggest market shares we're ever going to see ever in human history. Yet no one uses BlackBerry anymore. Look at where Apple's actually made all of their money. It's not from inventing the next thing. Yes, that's what they did. That's how they got on stage. But what actually what, what actually made Apple the trillion dollar company was low innovation. There's the iPhone, dude. That changed. Yeah, no, 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 no. The iPhone put them on the map. I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm saying, but I'm not denying that. But I'm saying, Amer, Apple was a good company when they had the iPhone. They're now a great company now that there's no innovation in the industry. Phones have been phones for like for a long time now. And they, and they long, don't look like they're like going 10 years. Else. Yeah, but look at the rapid, no, but look at the rapid development of phones prior to that. I'm saying if you look at when Warren Buffett invested in Apple, it was when innovation stopped. 
2016. That's when the business invested. got. Yeah, but that's when the business got great. So I'm saying low innovation. Yeah, you guys are saying the same actually thing. A great business. You guys yeah, are actually I'm, saying the same. So I'm thing. saying okay, guns. Right, right. So, yeah. So I'm. But I'm saying so guns as a whole is a good industry in the sense that they've been they have a long track record. They've been around like forever. I mean, guns haven't really changed much in like like the, the basic actions of a gun, like pump action, uh, lever yeah. action. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree. The innovation yeah. part, I'm yeah, so... Yeah, but, but the reason why, Amber, that's so key, though, is that it, it, it doesn't allow for a lot of disruption. Like, the odds of someone coming into the gun industry and fundamentally changing the industry is very minimal. So a lot of the things that people... The reason why people aren't investing in them are actually why one of the reasons why I believe I'm getting such a great bargain. Because that's actually what establishes a moat in the industry. Like, think, think about this for a second, Amber. Like, really think about this, that's, okay? Th- that's not the part that I'm stuck on. This, the part I'm stuck on like is razor the- blades. Razor blades, great business. Low innovation. Razor blades have literally been razor blades forever. John, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing yeah. on innovation. Yeah. My okay, biggest yeah, fear, like, I, I was prepared to invest yeah. some money in Smith & Wesson. And what's yeah. holding me back is the complexity of the political and legislative system of changing, limiting magazine capacities changing to the barrel size that they may start saying they're not banning guns but they can start slowly changing Hammer, it. and you have smith and wesson that literally has hundreds of millions of dollars of inventory that can can become completely obsolete overnight ammer 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 second amendment it's literally written in the constitution i know i know i get the that. best we've already gone through this before i mean the best thing for no. guns is actually gun is actually gun control like time and time again, every single time the Democrats come in and they try and put in some gun um, uh, gun control, people buy more guns. Do you feel comfortable holding Smith and Wesson for the rest of your life? Yeah, dude, I come on. No, I'm Amber. I'm not even fucking kidding at all. Amber, I have a quarter years. million dollars in this fucking stock. Like, do you think I'm fucking around at all? Like a quarter million. Like, do you think I'm at? Do you think I'm even remotely not serious right now? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not fucking around whatsoever. Just, just got turned up a notch here, folks. Like, Amber, I bought fifty thousand dollars of of Smith and Wesson this week. Like, I'm not. I'm telling you right now, there is zero part of me that's fucking around. You're putting a lot of trust. It just seems like you're putting a lot of trust in the U.S. government. Okay, but I think that John, uh, John, I think what Amber's no, saying no, 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 is no, no, not no. that. I, 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 is, yeah, no, I need no, no. Okay, but I'm just trying to because John, I think, is actually having the wrong conversation. John, I think Amher's actually just trying to have a conversation of like, please over explain why you chose this company to really invest in. And you're you're thinking that he's saying Amher or you're thinking that Amher's saying Smith and you shouldn't have invested in Smith and Wesson. Smith and Wesson. No, that's no, 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 Am, no, no even if I was, me, I, no, Am, uh, no, sorry, um, Austin. I'm actually taking I'm actually taking uh, Austin or Amber's questions exactly. Okay, okay. He asked me, sure. "Would you be comfortable holding it for the rest of your life?" I said yes, and he acted as if I was joking. So I said, <laughs> "I'm not joking." Like, like he said, "Bro," and I said, "No, no, bro." Like, I, yes, I mean exactly what the fuck I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, I'm not taking. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not having a different conversation. I'm, I'm if I say yeah. if I if I'm saying you're putting a lot of trust in the United States government to like because you're basically. That's how would you actually answer my actual concern? Not banning guns. I don't think that's going to happen. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be very profitable for your company. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, slowly over time, I just see the entropy of the system leaning towards restricting guns more and more and more, making it harder to produce and build guns to fit the legislation that's required. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How would you respond to that? It seems like over time, it's become harder and harder to create a profit. I don't see that going the other way around. Well, what, Amber, how would you respond to that? 
Well, my answer is that you're wrong. The, the gross margins in the business have been extremely stable. As a matter of fact, they've actually been growing. The, Smith & Wesson has become more profitable over time. Mm. There's been consolidation in the industry. So businesses um, like Remington, which was the largest gun manufacturer in, in, in America, went bankrupt. There's consolidation over time. There's less gun manufacturing. Like if you actually look at the industry when it first started, it was terrible. I mean, Smith and Wesson. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but Smith and Wesson actually like started, failed, started, failed, started, failed. Yeah. When gun, like so in the early part of the gun industry, it was a, it was actually not a very good industry. There was too much innovation. Like someone would involve, invent one type of revolver, and that guy came up with a more efficient one. Like the Colt forty five. Like Colt was a big thing. Colt's not around. Colt's not really that big anymore. Right. So I'm saying, like, there was lots of innovation when it first started. It wasn't a good business. A lot of things went out. You know, things came and gone, okay? Um, nowadays, that's not the case. Like, nowadays, you have, like, maybe, like, four or five major gun manufacturers. They all kind of compete more or less in their own niches. Like, Ruger, more or less, is mostly hunting rifles. And, yes, they have a little bit of things elsewhere. Daniel Defense is only really modern sporting rifles. Yes, there's, like, high-end shotguns, you know, but they're very niche. Like, uh, like very, very niche shotguns. But... But as far as um, actual pistols go, Smith & Wesson's the leader. As far as modern sporting rifles, Smith & Wesson's the leader. When it comes to uh, uh, revolvers, Smith & Wesson's the leader. When it comes to hunting rifles, Ruger's by, 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 and fa- like by a long shot the leader, okay? But you'll notice that each, each gun manufacturer kind of ha- more or less has, has carved out its own little thing. There's very little innovation in the industry, very little uh, competition. There's no chance, there's very little chance of anyone entering in. Like when you say that the, there's a political risk, I actually view that as a moat. Like I could be totally wrong, but I'm fully comfortable with actually stating that's a moat. Yeah. People aren't going to enter the industry because of the political risk. No one's going to loan to the, yet you can get a loan if you're an established gun company because you have assets. So it's actually, you're not making a loan to a gun company at that point. You're making a loan against their assets. That's different. But um, like you're not going to loan up like a, like a startup um, gun company. But so, so like, if you look at the competitive environment, I actually believe that is a moat. The barriers to entry into the gun industry are almost impossible. I mean, you've read, you probably read all the different licensing that you need. Like, in order to actually manufacture a gun, like, Amber, go and try and make a gun right now. Good fucking luck. Like, go start a gun company. It's yeah, it, yeah, like, you couldn't even imagine. Amber, you're going to try and start a new gun brand? Like, what, like think about Gillette. You're going to convince people, hey, guys. I know that Smith and Wesson's been around for 150 years, and they think you know probably the most credible gun brand in the world. But like, hey, I have Amherst guns. No, you're not doing it, dude. No one's like, come on, man. Like, it's, it, like no one's gonna risk it. Amber, Amber, like, let's go. When you're talking you about Amber, Amber's you're, guns, but Amber, when you're talking about protecting, like Amber, you gotta remember, we're talking about like we're talking about like like red Republican Second Amendment Americans. Like these people are not fucking around. Like when they say they want to protect their family, I'm talking like as in if the government came to collect, take their guns, they would like they would kill people. Like as in there would be a civil war in America. Like think about this for a second. Think about what you're actually saying. Like say it out loud, Amber. Say this: the government is going to ban guns in Texas and confiscate them from the cold no. hands of Americans. Like <laughs> think about actually that. saying that out loud. That sounds way more ridiculous than me saying that Americans are going to continue buying guns. <laughs> Like, like really. <laughs> so you're saying no matter the restrictions, these profits are protected by the constant demand for guns. There's not a consi- there's not a constant demand for guns. There's there, there's there. Well, there is a there, constant it, cyclical the constant, demand. The constant um, the constant gun for or constant demand for guns doesn't really benefit Smith and Wesson particularly. 
Smith and Wesson, the only like would say there, there is there is some general demand at any given moment, but Smith and Wesson particularly benefits from conceal carry. Um, and like, cause they, they sell, they're the largest manufacturer of pistols, um, which the reason why you buy pistols typically for concealed carry. Um, and then, and then the second thing is, is, uh, people that are looking, uh, for modern sporting rifles, which tends to be somewhat more, let's say of a military focus, right. Um, personal defense kind of thing. So Smith and Wesson is kind of more on that, like, but then also shooting sports. Like there is like a lot of like in America, you got to remember, like there is a lot of like gun ranges where people actually compete on how good of a shooter yeah, you yeah. are. Like but that's nine, actually like hunting from sports. Memory, I think 94% of Smith & Wesson's like customers are like just regular people from my memory. Like like 4% Yeah, but how many of those like people actually officers. go in actually? No, 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 no. Um, well, 6% like is... Two, two, 6%. Yeah, roughly, roughly, roughly 1 to 2% is uh, outside of that. Um, less than 1% is going to be like uh, precision cast parts and handcuffs. Yep. They're, the, they're the largest handcuff yep. manufacturer in the world, which there's not a lot of handcuffs that are being sold. So it's not actually it's a small business. But I, I mean, they don't actually release stats on uh, on their customers because they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of data on their customers because they don't actually sell to consumers. So they they sell to yeah, uh, wholesalers, the wholesalers sell to retailers. So there's actually very little data on the actual end consumer, sure. at least that I've been able to find. You don't see it a risk of the the amount of inventory they have, like you know, elections Opposite. coming up. I think it's great capital allocation. So I've been talking. I, I've actually been. I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while. So, and they're actually doing. Ex- like, so my one of my core theses of investing in Smith and Wesson was the capital allocation. So share buybacks and making sure that they have uh, ample inventory. Because if you look at actually how they actually make their money, they make most of their money. Like, like if I was to, like over the next 10 years, Smith and Wesson will probably make 80% of their income only in three of the next 10 years. And the reason why they make so much money is because during peak times of demand, price is not a factor whatsoever. Like on, like on $500 million in sales, they might make a hundred million dollars, right? But on a billion dollars in sales, they'll make 400. Is it true that Smith and Wesson in 2020 made more money than Ruger? By a long shot. I mean, Smith and Wesson yeah, basically like always four, made by like 400 million. Yeah, yeah, but the reason why is because during peak demand, R- Smith and Wesson, Smith and Wesson carries more inventory than Ruger does. Ruger decides to pay massive dividends. Like I don't, I think Ruger doesn't have very good capital allocation. Ruger decides they want to pay special dividends. They want to, they want to keep their equity low. Which I mean, fine. You want to return money to shareholders. It's not like it's not the worst thing in the world. Like I'd rather that than. Like if I was a Ruger shareholder, I would rather them, you know, pay off of their debt, which they did, and then hopefully return uh, capital shareholders. I would much prefer share buybacks and build up inventory than I would dividends. Dividends are taxable. Smith & Wesson is building up inventory so that the next time there's a huge boom, they can make $400 million. If you have no inventory, you can't make it, right? So it's, it, I actually yeah, yeah. like the capital allocation. Yeah. Got it. We're all, I'm on the same page on everything and where i'm getting stuck is the political stuff if you have 400 million in inventory and the government yeah, like says i said the trigger I, I think, has I think to be like an thing, inch away yeah i mean if you i mean i don't know i mean like if, if i think if you read more about the gun laws in america and the culture behind it i think you feel a lot more comfortable with it like if you just kind of lived in that space a little bit but i i, I really do believe that the political risk is actually the biggest moat to the business so you don't, you're not afraid of legislation well, Amherst, or Amherst, just a vision, a world where there was no political risk at all. Imagine we, we lived in a world where everyone was supportive of guns, right? 
there probably one there probably be less guns sold but two more competition more competition yeah yeah it wouldn't be a good industry if there was if there wasn't this so-called political risk it actually be honestly i wouldn't invest in i i put this way actually here's even a more aggressive statement i wouldn't invest in smith and wesson if there wasn't a political risk It's what drives the gun sales. Yeah, the only thing that's holding me on the fence is I need to understand better the gun laws and how those are passed and like the history of gun laws passed. And... Yeah, you, you, I, I look up the history of gun laws and I and look, look up lawsuits and things like that. Like I spent some time on that. Don't try and spend any time on trying to understand how laws get passed. That's irrelevant. Yeah, but like how many like national or sorry, federal gun laws because, dude, the, the states can now pick their own thing or the municipalities. That's always been the case. Always been the case. Okay. It's always been the case. There's, there's um, well, the, sec- the Second Amendment, the, the, there only is one federal gun law, the Second Amendment. Oh, that's it. Okay, then it's all state. Okay. Yeah, it's only state. Yeah, there's, well, Amherst, there, you can't make any federal, I don't think you understand, like, the Second Amendment. Like, I don't think you understand the Constitution of America, how much that actually means to them. Like, that's the no, Second I know Amendment. very little about the United States. Uh, yeah, well, then you got to look into that. Like, I mean, like, you know, like, like uh like uh, if smith and wesson was a canadian company wouldn't invest in it because then that then there actually is real political risk oh so the federal government can never at any point make any changes to it's just the second amendment is what you're saying you'd have to change the second amendment i mean i could i mean i don't even know how literally there would be hellfire no no no, i know i i I mean literally i'm not even exaggerating when i say there would be a civil war like i don't know like i don't know are there stats are there stats of where the sales are coming from from each state relating to smith and wesson purchases i'm sure you could probably somehow track that down maybe but i mean i don't know why that would matter it would matter to me because i would want to see where most of the sales are coming from and then based on that i can just look at well no but that no but that no that you can you can just statistically work out i mean you wouldn't be able to work it out specifically for smith and wesson but but the the top gun purchases purchasers in canada by state but it's kind of deceiving because it's not it's not per capita, but it, but Florida, Texas, um, and and uh, California. Yeah, but but high by high by by how much? Like I want to oh, see Amherst, like a... but by a long shot because they're the three largest states. I don't think you understand Texas, California, Florida, all the size of Canada. Like so, Alabama doesn't. You know, even, like as far as gun ownership goes, I bet Alabama and Tennessee probably have the highest like per capita. Like I mean, there's actually a city in. It's called. Uh, Called, I think it's I think it's called Marysville. I don't actually no, I don't think it's Marysville. I think that's where the headquarters is going to be moved to. But there's a maybe maybe it is Marysville. Maybe that'd be funny if it was. But there's actually a city in Tennessee that it's illegal to not own a gun. Huh. So if you're if if you're a if you're a resident of I forget what town it is in Tennessee. You could look this up. But if you're a resident of this town, in order to buy a home, you have to own a gun. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm just like because if if there's a state, guess like how many robberies there are there, by the way, in that town. <laughs> Zero. It's like it's like negative one. <laughs> negative one, yeah. One, yeah, yeah. yeah one person gets money. robbed. Yeah, one. The, the residents all rob one person. Put money in his yeah. pocket. You know, it's like go buy the gun, dude. Like this is a reverse robbery. Here's money. maybe maybe gun. like uh, every house comes with a gun, like just like as like a you know yeah this this gun's been in this house. It's been, I've every you know this this is you know this has been in the family for. Yeah, but but it's like for me, it's like if if twenty percent of all sales that Smith and Wesson gets is like from New York, you know that's like that's risky for me. No, right? no, no. There's no there's New no York concentration. Can... No. 
yeah, that's what I want to understand a bit more is like the the political side. Um, but then it's like, yeah. Well, you don't, I mean, there's not that much more to understand. I mean, I, I mean, I guess maybe I just have so much like prior knowledge on that, that maybe I'm just taking a lot of it for granted, but there's, yeah. there's not that much to really understand. I mean, the, um, one of the other big things about uh, the gun industry that's really important is that they have very clear legal precedents that you cannot sue. Oh yeah. The, the, what is it? The P P A A P L or something? PLCC or something like that. I I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't waste my time trying to memorize uh, abbreviations. Point being, um, there's a long history of gun manufacturers being sued in America, and there's actually a law. Okay, um, I believe Clinton brought it in, or maybe Bush, and uh, basically you're not allowed to sue gun companies. You can't hold them liable um, uh, for like for like if like if I buy a gun and kill someone. I, unless they've illegally sold it to me or something like that, um, you're not allowed to sue them. Yeah, there's a term for it. If you can look it up. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I read it multiple times in both. Uh, yeah, in both of these. <clears throat> That's interesting. I just. So you think everything that I went through right now, me and you, is what's maybe not causing this company to be priced properly? I mean, I don't really spend much time trying to think about why something might be mispriced. I'll be honest. I mean, like. Why not? Wouldn't that leave some clues? Um. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I like, I have like some ideas, but I don't spend much time on it in the sense that it's just, it's all speculation. Hmm. Like, I mean, like, how would I possibly be able to like determine why something, I mean, sometimes it may be, I mean, with gun companies, I mean, I, I would imagine that there's some distaste for the fact that it's guns, right? But I mean, the same way that like the tobacco industry has been uh, an amazing, amazing investment. investment. So, I mean, I mean, the fact that people don't want to buy what's well, on the fact but but if it is the case that people don't want to buy a gun company because it's a gun company it doesn't matter to me okay yeah when you said you remember you said you jumped on a web call and you you asked mark smith a question no i did not okay can you investor ask, relations you can ask investor relations a question any company that has investor relations yeah like i mean like t- today for example i called a bank in in uh, fresno spoke to their uh, cfo Oh, what question did you ask? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I just asked them about their comprehensive income because they, they were like showing like a huge uh, unrealized loss on their uh, mortgage-backed securities portfolio. And I was just like, hey, like what's your guys' plan? Like are you guys going to like now swap this to uh, hold for maturity? Because I know you guys were looking at selling this like like as of like a year or two ago, these would have been held for sale. But now, you know, like now that you're like facing a $24 million loss on this, like what's happening with that? He basically said we're going hold to hold to hold the sale. Or sorry, hold to maturity. That's cool. I, I understood none of that. No, no, <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's, what that's, the fuck? that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was literally a cell phone, by the way. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> like, wow. How big is this bank? Uh, it's one location. Oh, wow. Dude, yeah, it was actually crazy. So, to, like, so, so, like, so, like, after that conversation, that was the only thing that I had. Like, that was the only stone I had to, like, like just, like, look under to feel comfortable investing in it. So, today, I, I bought shares in this bank. And uh, 
I was the only person who bought shares in the, in the company today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, so no, but it was so funny. Cause like I went to go buy shares and, uh, and like my order didn't get filled. And huh. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, um, I, I knew it was a fairly illiquid stock, but I mean, like it has like some volume, like there's still people. Trading. What's the market cap for it? 194 million. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, maybe a little bit less now, but, um, and so like the, the stock is so thinly traded that I had to like more or less negotiate with someone who was a shareholder in order to buy their shares. Are you serious? Are right you now? fucking serious? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How did you so more or less have to negotiate with them? Well, because like I could see like, so like when I put, when I threw up my bid and it didn't get filled, this guy then because i'm like looking at like the trading chart right or like yeah, the trading yeah. oh. and so then he like posts like at like 60 like 63 dollars a share and then i was like so then i posted like 61 10 and he was like he like so like, we were kind of like, kept moving closer to one another and then i like posted that i was going to buy at this price and he that like, he didn't move and then i i posted again at the same price i didn't move and then he came closer and then so like, we kind of like settled on Kissed. 60 i think it was like 61 30 or something like that that we settled on but it was funny because like otherwise like i couldn't buy shares but he also must have wanted to sell them too right but we were both trying to maximize like a couple pennies i don't know I, it, but it was funny because it's just like there was no Dude, one else like, it was just so sick. basically put it this way that. like the company was so thin is so thinly traded that basically him and i were like both staring at our screens and we were the only two people buying and selling this company that day like so like i was on my screen he was on his screen like what, what is this the tsx no, 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 no. This is a bank in Fresno, California. Oh, cool. So yeah. are you buying this through TD? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, TD. Well, cause so TD, so I, I specifically chose TD because uh, they actually, I don't know if people know this, TD actually has more bank branches in America than Canada. Yeah. I, I knew that. I did know and that. And it blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so they're, they actually, cause it, so TD bought Ameritrade. And so Ameri, so uh, TD actually has probably the best online broker i would say in canada in my really? opinion interesting yeah because you can because i i the reason why i like t i don't know maybe other places have this too but i like TD rbc specifically, direct i mean yeah, rbc direct's TD. probably pretty good but but do they allow you to buy otc markets uh no yeah see that's why i like td's awesome because they allow me to buy uh over the counter trade uh over, over the counter stocks yeah there's bans on certain what does that mean like like very small is it like very small Usually, stuff? typically i mean some some could be bigger but otc is uh it's it's like a it's like a niche uh um stock exchange where basically companies that aren't listed on the nasdaq or the new york stock exchange can like get traded over the counter so it's it's is that kind of what you did with this small company oh yeah 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 yeah. how much did you buy Fifty thousand. is that the one you texted me about I emailed you, I think, even, too. Oh, okay, cool. Did I you get the email, email I got? I sent? Yeah, I didn't read it. When I do are you going to read it, it or you just don't watch it? <laughs> yes. No, I will. But, like, with something like that, I want to read it properly and give you a full, educated response. It, I mean, it wasn't that detailed. It wasn't that detailed. I, I sent you an email, and then it had a... I, I, guess, I guess, Austin, I guess, I, I, guess I, I didn't even think that if you wanted the email, I don't know if you would, but... Yeah. I would love to read through things that you said. I did a very, very brief write-up on, on these two banks. Uh, one's a, a bank in Nashville and one's a bank in uh, Fresno. But they're just like, they're like very, very niche. And like they're one, they're both one location banks. 
How'd you call the CFO? I uh, I don't know if he was the CFO. It's just on their website. Oh, okay, cool. Like, like you literally just like on their website, it just says investor relations, and then it has like a contact information. You just call the number. You just call it. And uh, he's like, "Hello." I'm like, "Is this Steve?" <laughs> like it was just like it was so awkward. Like I was like, because I've always sent I, I've always sent emails, but today I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna call." Like why not? Like mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if he was a CFO, but probably not. That's a very I think he bad was, CFO. Though. No, it's not. No, no, no. It's not. Why the hell's a CFO taking phone calls? No, Amber, I don't think you understand. This is a one location bank. Like Amber, like as in like, like, like as in I could walk, like as in I could drive to Fresno right now and go in the bank and go talk to the guy. Like he, that's the way he works. Like there's only, they only have one building. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's, it's not like, the, it's not like, like Amber, yeah. I know where he works on a daily basis. Like I could go to his office. Like, like they only have one building. Like that's it. Yeah, I have a question to you about that. Like when you're looking to put in, you know, an exorbitant amount of money into these companies, has it never crossed your mind to like fly down to these locations and just get a feel of these people? Unfortunately, I don't have enough capital in order for to justify it. Like if I was running, if I was running a fund that was large, then I could. But unfortunately, like, you know, like, dude, what's $400? It's a $400 flight, $500 flight. Like, why wouldn't you just spend that money? Go out for just a day. Spend well, seven there hours there, six hours. Because there's not, there's back. not really anything that I couldn't. Like, I mean, I've de- I'll be honest. Like, definitely, like when Trish and I are, like, ready. Like when I'm when I'm ready to become a full time investor. Like a part of Trish and I, like my our vision was to like get like a driver around. Van. Yeah, I wanted to get like a um, uh, like like a you know, like an RV or something like that, and then and basically just like scuttlebutt my way across America. Scuttlebutt, like, great word. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like check out like you know like 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 for example like I, I think it'd be like kind of a fun like a little lifestyle like you know like for like a couple months just basically like she gets to see across America and I get this you know scuttlebutt businesses so it's like you know like if I know I'm we're going to Nevada then I'll look at all Nevada banks and like see if I can find any cheap companies there and you know check them out while I'm there I don't know I would definitely consider it but I mean I, right now it would be economical yeah got it yeah. that's actually yeah. really really cool boy I've never thought of you guys doing that you've never expressed that before yeah no like i i mean yeah like i want to like i mean i yeah like i, I mean like, this is actually like i'm really passionate about this like this is like what i like i really thoroughly yeah enjoy i can tell doing this i can tell and it's yeah like really, i looked at over really like 350 thing. banks um in order to find these two that like i think are like really good and I mean, 10Ks. Um, not that many not that many um maybe like 12 because i mean like most of the bank when i say look at 350 banks like well, yeah, like, like, there's a lot of banks that instantly get disqualified. Like, like, there's, like, there's certain criteria that, like, I'd be looking at that I'm like, like no, nah, there's no chance. Um, no, leverage, not really as much, because like, it depends on how they're levered. It, well, it depends on how they're levered, Amher. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I wouldn't, like, if a bank was, like, I mean, most banks in America aren't that levered, but I'll give an example. Like, if, um, if a bank was very levered and a lot of the leverage was used to make long-term loans, then... I would, I would, I would have to look into that. But like, for example, if a bank had um, like a billion dollars in customer deposits that were all non-interest bearing, very sticky, like commercial, like CNI deposits, and they were making a billion dollars in loans that were all long-term, that's perfectly fine. Because they'll grow their deposit. I mean, if their deposits were growing over time, like, you know, if they get themselves in a sticky situation, they'll grow out of that. But what I wouldn't want to see, though, is like if a company has a billion dollars in deposits, half of that is money market funds that are brokered, as in like those customers have no loyalty to that bank. They don't even know the bank exists. Like they're brokered as in like 
they have a like a financial advisor that's like, hey, like this one this one money market fund is paying a high interest rate. You should be in this. But it, there's the deposit's not sticky. They don't have a relationship with the bank. And then they were making long term loans. This is borrowing short to invest long. Wouldn't touch that. If the bank was super leveraged, as in, um, they only had a billion dollars in deposits, but they had even more loans than that. Which the only way you would have more loans than deposits is if you brought on long term debt, preferred shares, um, retained retained capital or retained earnings and things like that. But if let's say they were using some some uh, some debt in order to uh, have have more assets if those assets were uh, readily uh, saleable then it wouldn't matter like if they were holding a bunch of um like marketable securities and things like that it, again it wouldn't be ideal because then you could have unrealized losses on that and you might be forced to sell those so again it'd be a negative but it wouldn't be a deal breaker so leverage is actually not it depends on how you depends on how the leverage is being what the, what the asset is that they're, lever, they're, they're levering up to buy and then of course what what kind of uh, funding source do they have but no, the, the number one thing that, that I instantly just check out on is if I see an increased share count over time, like a dramatic amount. If, you know, if, if they have some stock-based compensation to their insiders, I actually don't mind that a little bit, like if it's you know, you know, a little bit here and there. But if I see like you know, 10 years ago, they had 2 million shares and now they have 12, I just check out. It's just, it, you know, it's just, it's too, it's too complicated for me to figure that out. Right. Cause usually the reason why share, um, banks are issuing shares is cause they're doing acquisitions. And like, I don't know about that. Like, I just, that's a different thing. I don't, I don't like banks that are, uh, acquirers using shares. That's just, that gets too complicated for me. Whereas I did look at some banks that were, uh, like just making tons of cash and then they were buying banks in cash. I'm like, and the, their share count was stable. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. Right. Like I, I can understand that. So share count was the number one thing that just wrote me off a lot of uh, a lot of companies. Um, and then uh, another thing that wrote me off. So once, you know, uh, no growth, for example, like if a, if a bank isn't growing, I'm not really interested in it. You know, doesn't matter how cheap it is. I just how I, much I is the growing. one that you invested in growing year over year? Um, it's deposit growth uh, over the last 10 years. Like the Kager is a 19.5%. Yeah, I mean, I have no context to compare with, but that's pretty impressive, actually. That's a lot. Uh, that's super impressive. That's very, very impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Like that's, you know, I mean, that's, you, that was like one of the higher like growth rates for deposits. How would you calculate the intrinsic value of a bank? Would that be just easier than most companies? Okay, so um, the way that I've learned, so I, I, I tried looking up a gazillion different ways to value a bank. And ultimately, the one I settled on was Jeff Gannon's. Jeff Gannon had the has the best. Yeah, he has the, in my opinion, the the one that the only one that that I've read that makes sense. The rest of them are basically just like rules of thumb or things that like most most people value banks off of price to book. So like tangible book value, as in assets minus liabilities minus out goodwill. Okay. Yeah. So basically, just the the shareholder equity of the of the company um, minus out goodwill. So. But the reason why I don't, I like that doesn't really make sense to me is that like Warren Buffett himself, because I, I also like read what Warren Buffett said on banks. Warren Buffett said that to buy a good bank, you might have to take pay a, a couple to few times uh, times book. But then when I go and look at how everyone else values bank, they also try and buy banks under one. I was like, huh, interesting. So if Warren Buffett, you know, who's made a, a vast fortune in, in financials, says that you might have to pay a couple to three times book. But the way that most people value banks is by buying banks under one uh, one times price to book. I'm like, they're probably off by a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's pretty rare that the consensus way of valuing something is completely contradictory to Warren Buffett. 
Then there's a bunch of like just standard PE ratio stuff, which I, I'm actually like totally okay with. But the way that um, that Jeff talks about valuing a bank is off of its deposits. And he, he the reason why he values it off of their deposits, assuming their customer deposits, is that that's really the, the main relationship that a bank has with its customers, right? A customer deposits their money in a bank, and then the bank obviously makes loans to that. And so how the sort the quality of those deposits and the cost in which that it that it um it uh the cost in which it uh, uh the bank has to pay in order to acquire those deposits and then how much they can loan it out at is really the, where the value lies so i i actually did uh, i did i the email i sent you actually broke down mostly my, my math on how i would value a bank which is basically just like what's the price that i'm paying for deposits like so how many like you know per share how many how many deposits am i getting and then uh, what's its earnings power and the earnings power of a bank is going to be uh, the how much interest it pays in order to uh, attract customers' deposits. So in the form of this Fresno Bank, they actually mainly deal with businesses that don't actually get paid interest on their deposits. So their interest is like they pay 0.001% on, on their, all of their deposits. Like that's their total all-in cost just for interest pay, like interest to their customers. So basically nothing, right? Um, mainly because sixty nine percent of their sixty nine percent of their deposits are interest or uh, non interest bearing. Okay, so that so interest expense is one of the major expenses to to having uh, uh, deposits. So some banks, for example, they they attract deposits through money market funds, which are not a stable source, and then it's also very expensive. Okay, the next thing is non interest expense. Okay, this is salaries, marketing, rent. Uh, you know, company vehicle, whatever it is. The reason why I specifically ended up settling on these one location banks is that they have the least amount of overhead. They have one location. So while the average bank in America has somewhere around $150, $200 million in uh, deposits per branch, these banks have close to 800. So they have four times maybe the average deposits per branch, meaning as their overhead is spread across $800 million deposits, whereas the average bank, their overhead spread across $200 million deposits per branch. So they're much more efficient that way. So if you and, and so if you go look at like uh, these two banks, I was like, you and you can look at the, the email I sent to you eventually. I, I break this down where I say like this is way lower than the peers. Okay, those are the two major costs: interest expense, non-interest expense. Obviously, one of them is somewhat tied to interest rates. So if interest rates rise, they'll pay more interest, but then they can loan out higher. Um, in the case of in the case of Fresno, the reason why I was really attracted to that bank and why I bought so much of that bank specifically and why I'll continue buying is that as interest rates rise, 69% of their deposits are non-interest bearing. Meaning is that when interest rise, they can loan out a higher rate, but their interest rate won't go up very much. And of course, because they're not expanding multiple branches, neither will their overhead. They'll have wage inflation over time, but this bank is making a fabulous amount of money right now. And I think it's below its intrinsic value. If interest rates do continue to rise, they'll make a fucking killing. This bank will be worth even more. So it's like a it's like a heads I win, tails I win situation. Like if nothing changes, I still make a bunch of money. Um, now, one of the th really important things, though. So so you'd say, okay, well, you acquire these deposits. You you have overhead. You have interest. That's how much it costs you to acquire the deposits. In these cases, it was like around two and a half percent to acquire deposits. Except for a really good bank will also have non-interest revenue. This is where these two banks shine. So. Uh, the one bank has a wealth management arm in which it's directly tied to the fact that it's a private bank and it deals with wealthy, wealthy families. And so this bank has low overhead, but pays a little bit higher interest, but 
in exchange, all of its wealthy families, all of them, the average bank balance of this bank, by the way, is 1.1 million, to put in perspective how wealthy we're talking here, okay? Uh, all of those customers uh, are also um, customers of the wealth management arm. So they all they have all of their assets under management with this private trust. All of their mortgages are through this company. All of these all of these people that are wealthy have businesses. Those businesses have commercial real estate. Those mortgages are with this bank. When they buy a car, their consumer loans, all with this bank. So it's a very sticky deposit. But be this wealth management arm though collects one percent assets under management plus uh, advisory fees, which earns them three point three percent. So if you actually factor in the cost of deposits minus this service that they provide for their customers, they're actually getting their deposits for free. So their cost mm. of borrowing is actually negative. So they borrow at negative 0.7% and they loan at 4%. So they're making a 4.3% spread on every deposit they have. So the value of the, that company is the earnings power, this 4.3% times by the average deposits per share. And then what's a high quality bank worth? This is where you get into a, a bit of a guessing game, but a 10, a 10 times pre-tax multiple for a growing, a growing company is not unreasonable. So in this, so this, it's just a rough, it's a rough rule of thumb. And you can, you can go from, you know, if you want to be more conservative, you could lower. Anyway, that's how you would kind of roughly determine you, you'd assign a fair market value multiple to, to these deposits earning. Same goes with the other bank. They, they are, uh, the bank in Fresno is uh, one of 75 banks in America. That's an acquiring bank, which Amber, you might actually understand this about how merchants work, but how, like when someone swipes their credit card, like there's an issuing bank, which is the one that issues the credit card. And there's an acquiring bank, which is the one that actually acquires the funds and, and, and is the middleman between the, uh, the actual merchant themselves or the, the, the independent sales uh, organization and the issuing bank, which is the bank that issued the credit card. Mm -hmm. And they facilitate the funds between the two and they, they collect a very small transaction. So this bank in Fresno, one of 75 banks that has this. And so do you, do you believe their intrinsic value is like, do you think they're underpriced right now? Yeah, I, I I laid out an email, but I, I figure both of these on current on current uh, deposits are both worth about are both worth about double what they're trading for right now, based on this formula that I just walked you through. Cool. Yeah, you explained that really well. Yeah, John, I was going to say I don't know much about investing, and that was super clear to me, and that was pretty complex in terms of like the nature of the variables. Thank you. Yeah, and take take in mind too. I've looked through all of their loans too. Like I've read all of their call reports. I've gone through every single thing. Like this yeah. is this is what I've been spending all my time on for the last like yeah, yeah, couple yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Daniel. I've read like I don't even know how many banking books. Um, like like I've read like the like the two hundred year history of like the Bank of Boston, like you know Nations Bank, Sandal yeah, Weil, yeah, yeah. like JP Morgan. Like I've read all the histories of all these banks and like how these banks fail and what you know like what to stay away from, what to buy, what not to you know, yeah, Sick. yeah. So when you say you've looked at three hundred and fifty banks, how'd you go roughly, ahead and pick roughly. that sample? How'd you pick that sample? Um, market cap, like the things I filtered for were market cap. I didn't want to invest in bigger banks. I wanted to start small, mainly because like that's like. Um, okay. So what, what got me like initially inspired about, uh, investing about banks was Warren Buffett invested in a bank, uh, in Rockford, Illinois, and he made a ton of money on it and it was a tiny bank and, uh, it was similar, like where he, like, he, I mean, this is, he was even more OG. Cause I mean, like nowadays, like obviously like even like on, on OTC markets, you could find small shareholders, but, um, he went door to door and actually like bought share, like bought shares off people like for this bank. Like that's like wow. he he tracked down yeah 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 
Like that's how like that's how thin the market was back then. Like the, the volume was like you had to go get the volume. <laughs> um, Jesus. And, and I read in this book actually it's it's one of the books that actually now face it's it's called Capital Capital Allocation super niche book. I don't think you can actually necessarily buy it readily. It's not readily available, but it's called Capital Allocation. It's the financials of the New England textile mill, which is Berkshire Hathaway. And um and yeah. then through researching banks, I found this book called The Bank Investing Handbook by Nate Topic. And then that guy recommended banks.com and banks.com talked about um, this one, this one bank in Nashville that I thought was interesting. And then when I was like, researching that bank, I found out about focus compounding and the biggest focus compounding talks a lot about banks. And then I was like, this is fucking awesome. And there's a whole community of people online that all like focus on bank investing. Yeah. Cause there's like 6,500 banks in America. Like there's such mm. a massive, like there's so many. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's actually one of the problems I run into with American customers is because there's so many banks every now and then there'd be like an, uh, an unknown fee that they got because we did an international um, transaction. So if they, if they're now using that, that that non-interest revenue, baby, keep pumping it. dude. (laughs) Yeah, dude. But like, you know, I'm telling them it's one price and then like the price goes through and then next day there's like an extra 50 to $250 fee that like nobody knows of and like you know because like you know i want to keep my word i so every so so by the way those that's the type of transactions that um that so this 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 fresno bank i was telling you about that's the type of shit they make money on yeah yeah, like they're one of the merchant banks in america like hell you know it's quite possible that this bank's making money off your transactions because like you're a smaller merchant like yeah 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 impressive good shit man you want to do work versus wise yeah, it's good. Okay. I got a great song for you. Uh, I think you can appreciate this, Austin, as well. Uh, it's kind of famous, the song. I try to pick something more low-key, but like... But like... <laughs> it's just like... We, 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 we got to do it. All right. By the way, guys, one thing I just want to, I also just want to mention too, just because um, I'm going to try and not say the names of any of the companies anymore, just because. Yes. Good reason. I, I hope it's the reason I'm thinking of. Go ahead. The reason why is because there is actually quite a few people that I do know that have bought Smith & Wesson um, because oh. I mentioned it. And oh. th- by no means do I think that they made a bad investment, but I do want to. But like I, I would imagine that their ability to weather the storm versus mine is just different. And as you can imagine, like like when I when I'm talking about these banks, I hope that I, you guys could understand that I that I, I actually kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Th- there's no chance that that someone is going to spend any amount of time that I've spent on these banks. And so if I just if I say the name, unfortunately, I think that people will, I will potentially buy into these, and they they are illiquid too. Um, as in once you buy in, there's not necessarily a clear market to sell, um, at any given moment. So they could potentially lose a lot of money. So that's why I'm not going to mention the names just for that reason. Yeah, that, yeah, but I don't that's think not it, the I reason, but I don't think it detracts from, from the, the discussion no. though. Yeah, yeah. No, but I actually, uh, that's not what I thought the reason would be. Um, oh I yeah. The, reason the other would... reason is the bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, as soon as you label yourself like in front of a crowd of people, 
yeah. as being a type of person, aka like a Smith and Wesson shareholder. Yeah, you're now like subconsciously attached to that label. Yeah, you you and I talked about this. I think I called myself out on that. Like, is like that yeah. was one of the potential risks that I saw. Yeah, in my yeah. investment. Yeah, which was yeah, yeah, which is exactly okay. So this song uh, has 81 million views posted five months ago. Oh. Central C. Oh, this is Central a good song. C, and it's called Doja. Here we go. How can I be homophobic? My bitch is gay. Hitman in a top chair, see a man topless, even a stick is gay. Hugging my brothers and say that I love them, but I don't swing that way. The man them celebrate Eid, the trap still running on Christmas Day. Somebody told Doja Cat that I'm trying to indulge in that. In my great track suit, see the bulging that. See the motion clap when you're throwing it back. These females planning on doing me wrong, so I'm grabbing a dome at the Trojan pack. Post a location after we're gone, can't slip and let them know where we're at. I don't know about you, but I value my life. Cause imagine I die, and I ain't made a hundred M's yet. There's so much things I ain't done yet. Like fucking a flight attendant. I don't party, but I heard Cardi there, so fuck it, I might attend it. Gotta kick back sometimes and wonder how life would have been if I never did take them risk and would have I prospered. Floating and I won't go under. Been out of town for a month. Absence made the love grow fonder. UK rapper, UK droga. I mention my name if you talk about the genre. Alright. I don't know what the beat is, but it's very familiar. What is it sampled yeah, it from is. something? Uh uh yeah for sure yeah dun, 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 dun. what is that oh, yeah, i'll find it right now i'll find it yeah then what is that um dun, 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 dun. It, there it samples um the track beats eve and gwen Gwen Stefani. Classic. yeah 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 wait yeah, what is that bl- let me blow your let, mind let me blow your mind oh really? play that song really yeah. quick play that song really quick yeah i got you i got you, I got you. it's so Hilarious. good uh excuse me how can I be homophobic? <laughs> it's such a funny line. It's so funny. Oh my god! Yo, Amber, dude, Amber, Amber, <laughs> Amber, print those lyrics. Amber, yeah, Amber, Amber fax on, me those lyrics. All, I want all of the whack versus wise mailed to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Amber, yo, after struggling for twenty seconds, we find Amber trying to print something. Bro. <laughs> I misclicked so instead funny. of clicking search Google. I clicked print. That's it. That's it. Damn. What a throwback. Holy quarter of a billion views. Drop your glasses. Shake your asses. Face screwed up like you having hot flashes. Which one? This sounds so good. Red from blind, yeah, bitch, I'm drastic. Why this? Why that? Lip stop basking. Listen to me, baby, relax and start passing. Expressway, head back, weaving through the traffic. This one strong should be labeled as a hazard. Some of y'all know hot psych, I'm gassing. Clowns are so I hear the chorus. Can't stop laughing. Yeah. Easy come, easy go. Evie gonna be lasting. Jealousy, let it go. Results could be tragic. Some of y'all ain't writing well. Too concerned with fashion. None of you went Giselle. Can't walk and imagine a lot. Big opening uh, verse here. Cut bitch camera off real blasting.
I forgot a, how much I love that throwback, fucking dude. song. Dude, 13 years ago. Yo, dude, who's even Eve? Like, yeah, I know. Who's Eve? Yeah. Who's, who is him? What the hell dude, is even Adam? that? <laughs> come, come. Dude, that's one of my favorite lines. I, I, I like found this. Uh, have you heard of Cal Scrubby? No. What is that? Dude, he, he's got this one song. It's so, it's called, uh, uh, I Look Like Jesus or something like that. Cal Scrubby. It's like looking like Jesus. And he's got this one line. He's like, Adam, he's like, uh, Adam told Eve not to uh, eat the fruit. What if I squeeze it and drink the juice? <laughs> <laughs> looking like jesus yeah we'll play that next time maybe all right um uh all right here we go (laughs) try to see a man topless even the stick is gay (laughs) makes no sense yeah it's too long go go like one last or something i thought uh okay there you go gotta kick back sometimes and wonder how life would have been if I never did take them risks and would I have prospered floating and I won't go under been out of town for a month absence made the love grow fonder UK rapper UK drill gotta mention my name if you don't talk about the genre all right ho ho how can I be homophobic <laughs> my bitch is gay hit man in the top try see a man topless even the stick is gay <laughs> hugging my brothers and say that I love them, but I don't swing that way. The madam or the mandam celebrate Eid. Eid. The trap's still running on Christmas Day. Dude, this guy hits hard on Christmas Day though, right? Like he doesn't knock on doors. Yo, that is yeah, we're so four funny. days away from Christmas, so I thought we picked this one. So you know what? Other than the homophobic one, celebrate Eid. That wasn't actually that whack, I'll be honest. No, it wasn't. Like it wasn't like, uh, there wasn't a lot of whys, but it wasn't whack. Like it wasn't that bad. I love and he so also sampled Gwen Stefani, so like I kind of like it actually. Yeah, so I was on the fence with it, but you know, eighty-five million views in five months. It put him on the map. Nuts. That's pretty. That's pretty life-changing for that guy. Good for him. I'm actually happy for him. You know, I like he didn't. He actually wasn't that whack. So it wasn't wise, but it wasn't whack. Yeah, yeah. Let me just quickly so my Gmail just takes forever to load. Apparently. All right, um, John, who's the author? This is from the uh, Macalene's Gold, actually. Oh, nice, nice. Mm. Yeah, you got Tabasco um, and and Central C. Who's got more heat? <laughs> Come on, you got. No, I like it. I like it. You gotta like that. You can't hate on that. Okay, we there's got- actually a lot of wisdom in. So, okay, so I I want to read some of the like a few of these just so that people can understand the things that I actually look for. Like when I'm reading books, like the stuff that I like, and the reason why I'm reading a lot of books is because I want to try and become a better business person. So these are things that like I like stand out to me. Okay, this one's interesting because I never thought about it this way, but it's talking about the economics of slavery. So the South slave economy, a bounty of cheap labor in good times, was actually a liability in bad times, as the economic historian George green described in its finance and economic development in the old south a survey of louisiana banking in the early 1800s in the south labor was a fixed expense and excess field hands could not be laid off to reduce output the planter would only shut down his plant when market prices for cotton fell so far that he could not even cover the relatively small variable costs of harvesting his crop so i thought it was an interesting point because it was like you know 
a lot of people think like slavery, like, you know, it's, it's like free labor, but in actuality, like the, the, uh, the slave owners, like they had to feed the individuals and house them and things like that. So it, it actually was like, it's interesting. Like I never thought about that way where like nothing, there's no such thing as a free lunch, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. And then there was also this line, which Wait, is really good. That, that was the whole quote. I'm waiting for more. Was yeah, there yeah, more yeah. on that, on that tangent? No, it was just like the point. Yeah. Oh, damn. That was the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bro. I'm I like, I'm more. like, damn. Okay, slavery. Okay, I see the. Uh, John's like, damn, slavery. You might, you might have to give it a second look. <laughs> this. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what he's saying, dude. No, 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 no. I just, I was, I was just merely <laughs> pointing out that anytime someone tells you, like, because they think about this, like, the pitch for slavery was that it was like, it was like the best thing ever. You know, it's the best labor ever. Like, yeah, I understand. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was still a fixed cost for these businesses. Yeah, makes sense. Um. Okay, it's impossible. This this is a short one, but I I like this this like little quote that he said. It's impossible. This is that the context of this is after the Civil War. A lot of the South, a lot of the people that were rich prior to the Civil War weren't rich after the Civil War. Okay, it's impossible to repeat even a flourishing past if the conditions that contributed to it don't exist anymore. That's pretty and good, actually. That's, a, that's I like that last. one a lot. And I think the reason why that one is very relevant to this day is because of COVID. Mm-hmm. There is some things that are fundamentally changed because of COVID yes. now. Yes, yes, 100%. And so what worked prior to COVID may not work now. And what worked during COVID may not work now either. Yeah. So I just, I liked that one a lot, actually, because there's a lot of people that want to hang on to past success. Technologies or whatever. Yeah. But they forget to acknowledge what contributed to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, this one was also really interesting too. So this, the context of this one is talking about why hot hot foods um, uh, are so popular, like spicy foods. Mm. Chili peppers, they found, destroy 75% of the bacteria in which they come in contact with. From this, the researchers concluded that in warmer regions, people who put more spices on their foods, that is, those individuals who enjoyed the taste of hot dishes, tended to get sick less often and lived longer. Hence, the taste for spicy foods become an ev- became an evolutionary imperative. Traits that are beneficial and transmitted both culturally and genetically, and that includes taste receptors in our mouths and our taste for certain flavors, said Sherman, now a leading evolutionary biologist and professor of neurobiology and behavior. One way we reduce foodborne illnesses is to add another spice to the recipe. Of course, that makes the food taste different, and the people who learn to like the new taste are healthier for it. So interesting enough, like, humans that, like, ate a lot of spice, lived longer because they killed the bacteria. So it was actually like evolutionary beneficial to like spicy food. That's amazing. So when your friends like when your friends bitch made and doesn't want spice, you're like, yo, long term, you ain't making it. <laughs> like, there's a long term reason here. That's amazing. Um, this one I thought was an interesting stat. One statistic about family businesses has remained unchanged since Edmund McElhenney's made Tabasco sauce. Only 30% outlive the founder's death and of those that do only 12 percent are still around to see a third generation isn't that crazy shit dude so 70 percent of businesses won't make it past the founder wow and then out of that 30 out of that only 30 percent pass on to the second sorry yeah so so only 12 percent of 30 percent so like what is that like uh, that would oh, wow. be like just like three, like so, like what three, three percent or so? Yeah, yeah. three to three point five. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, this one's also, this is some wisdom. So the, the, the McElhenney's learned very early on that they didn't want to dilute their brand, and this was part of it. So the context here is that the, the guy who took over the brand after uh, Edmund, his name was Edward. Or no, sorry, not Edward, John. His name was John. Unfortunately, the John in this story was actually total jackass. But um, he, like, tried to grow the revenue by, like, just getting it out as much as possible. And then this is the context of that. So mass marketing efforts like what John had done uh, had never been uh, undertaken in McElhinney's history. In general, the company has avoided billboards, discounts, and prizes to consumers because such untargeted promotional programs implicitly regard customers as a lot of as part of a large, indistinguishable group, instead of an exclusive club sufficiently discerning to discover the value of a premium product. John McElhenney missed this point completely with his scattershot advertising. Not surprisingly, his sales strategy created more problems for the business than it solved. The cost of the campaigns was quite high, and they didn't entice new, enough new customers to cover their expense. So it's an interesting point. Like, there's I something to be said. One. Yeah, there's something be, there's something to be said about having like an effective targeted campaign for like Amber, like what you do is very targeted, right? Yes. Very, and, I mean, and it's going to get even more targeted next year. It's going to be but, insane. But it's interesting though, because like, I think I've made this mistake where I've invested quite a bit of money into scattershot advertising, like, like billboards and things like that. And I, and I never really got any, like, I never could figure out the tangible return, but if anything, maybe, I don't know if it's like in a, in a contracting brand, I don't know if it dilutes it, but there is something to be said about when you buy something like, like the, the part that really stood out to me here was this, this line here. Um, such untargeted promotional programs implicitly regard customers as a part of a large, indistinguishable group instead of an exclusive club sufficiently discerning to discover the value of a premium product. I think that might be one of the most intelligent marketing lines I've ever read in my entire life. Yes. Because like even Lululemon, for example, is like, it's readily available. Like anybody can wear it. But every time I buy Lululemon, there is a part of me that's like, yo, like I'm a bit exclusive, yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. like Patagonia. Like it's not, it's not something you're ever going to see on a billboard or it's not, it's not mass marketed. It's like a, there is, know? I've actually observed this with uh, Gucci and Versace. I feel like they're not as high end because more people wear it. Dude. Uh, the, so you, you know, what's no the greatest example club. of this. I'll, I'll give you two great examples. Michael Kors. Oh, dude, yeah. Just... And Under Armour. Yeah. Nike? See, Nike's interesting. Nike is one of the few brands in the entire world that has achieved penetration into the lower-end market and the higher-end market without diluting their brand. And I, don't, and, and, and I don't know why that's the case, but that's something that I observed. When I was yeah. looking into Foot Locker, I remember looking into Nike and just like kind of casually being like, you know, I do find it interesting that like you could have someone who's like really rich wearing Nike and right next to them, you could have someone who's wearing like, like um, outlet version Nike. And it's like, it's totally, whereas Under Armour, they, they, they failed miserably, right? Yeah. Did you watch the documentary on Netflix on and one? Yeah. So good. So yeah. good. And dude, as a kid, I, yeah, as a kid, yes, yes. I really liked and one and I'm, and I, and I actually was it just a part disappeared. of it. Dude, it just disappeared. I remember, do you, do you remember the little gel things on the side? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I can jump higher, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, And One was also sick. Because I remember Embry, what was the NBA video game too? It was NBA Jam. Or no, not NBA Jam. Uh, St NBA Street. Slam. No, NBA oh, Street, Street, Street. Street. Dude, so yeah. good. So good, right? And, there was, and they had the professor in there, right? Like I actually still to this day yeah, actually watch videos sauce. of the professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he Hot wears sauce. a Spider-Man. Yeah. But um, yeah, dude, and one's another good example, right? They get diluted. Um, oh, even, do you know what's actually even a better documentary? 
is um I think this might be a documentary on oh, where did I watch this? It might it might not be on Netflix, but it's um uh it's on uh what the fuck's this brand? It's it's like a uh Von Dutch. Dude, you guys gotta watch this documentary. I know I'm kind of throwing a lot of over the over the holidays, you guys have to watch Carl Icon. Yeah. And you have to watch the documentary on Von Dutch. The Von Dutch, I didn't even know about this, but my mom, I watched it with my mom and my mom was, because my mom actually lived in uh, Beverly Hills growing up. And so she was like, that's like like the Mecca for like fashion in L- it, it, like, you know, LA, like Beverly Hills. And this Von Dutch hat, she said everyone was wearing it. She's like, oh my God, like I want to watch this documentary. And, and I didn't even know what Von Dutch was, but it was so big at one point. Like Britney Spears was wearing it. Um like uh justin timberlake everyone was wearing it. even the president was wearing von dutch now you guys you know what von dutch is no, no idea crazy story where like like people get murdered and shit like that it's nuts yeah the curse of von dutch really good really a good brand to die for <laughs> yeah but it is interesting right some brands just for whatever reason they get diluted over time right like yeah, where they yeah. just lose that touch right like there's probably not for guys... not for some reason but it's like yeah it's like multiple reasons no but like um yeah i don't know i mean like there's like yeah it's not random. And it's not random, but like like Calvin Klein, for example, like they kind of had a bit of a resurgence and then they fell off again. Yeah, it's just all about social proof. And Nike knows how to maintain social proof. This was talked about in the And One documentary pretty extensively and why Nike completely destroyed And One and where And One went wrong. They hired the wrong NBA star who got injured. Nike got like Michael Jordan. Like he's just pretty, pretty black and white. Yeah, here's one other quote I'll give you guys. This one's good too. Uh, Edmund uh, McElhenney had pointedly warned that it was a fatal error for companies to put themselves deep into debt or tie up the little capital they had to chase innovation, whether in the form of new products, services, markets, or business models. Innovation, he contended, should be used to improve the performance of a company's core business, not replace or alter it, but above all, it was not an effective response to desperation. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a pretty that's uh, yeah. pretty wise as well. But hence, why Ammer businesses that don't require innovation are higher quality. One of the other businesses that was started at the same time was uh, a little small company uh, started by a guy uh, with the last name Heinz. You guys might know him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes like uh, wheels. <laughs> oh okay can i recommend a documentary it's more sure. like a uh you a youtube video essay okay i like those i like those um yeah it's it's let me find it is it like really high quality though because i don't like when they're like kind of casual they're kind of casual okay then never mind okay. but it's about the wwe and vince mcmahon no i don't want to see it Oh yeah, you guys don't like the WWE. Actually, do you know what? One of my funniest Dana White, one of the funniest Dana White stories of all time was uh, someone had asked Dana White about what he, because I think, didn't Vince McMahon die recently or something like that? No, no, no. No, no he retired. No, he retired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he retired. And so someone had asked Dana White at a press conference somewhat recently, uh, like within the last year, hey, like now that Vince McMahon, or Mc, McMahon is uh, retired, like, you know, like, do you have any like stories to share about him? Like, um, you know, like, I, you know, like, cause you guys never did a deal while he was working and it always seemed like you guys, you know, like you guys were both yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. two biggest names in fighting. 
And Dana's like, you know what? I like Vince, but I don't think Vince, Vince he's like, I don't think Vince likes me. And he's like, let me tell you a quick story about why that's the case. He's like, oh, this he's, is like awesome. okay. he's like, he's like, he's like, he's uh, like, yeah, he's like, I asked, I, I, uh, I asked Vince, hey man, I'd like to come to one of your shows uh, for WrestleMania. Can I come to one of your shows? And so <laughs> he said that he shows up and, uh, and the, like the, the lady was like, like at the ticket booth was like, Dana White, I don't know who you are kind of thing, right? And they finally, they finally like track down the tickets and they like escort him in and they bring him up way back, way, way back, in the, like way, like way high up in like the nosebleeds and his seats were behind a pole. <laughs> oh, you're joking, <laughs> Like behind dude. a pole. And so he's like, he's like, he's like, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's so, so here's good. Dana White. Like fucking mall, uh, worth a couple hundred million dollars, <laughs> sitting up in the nosebleeds behind a pole at WrestleMania. WrestleMania. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Yo, why would he do? That? What was the relationship up to that point, dude? Dude, Dana's like, no, but Dana White's like, he's like, I like the guy. Apparently, he didn't like me though. <laughs> oh my dude, god. Yeah, dude, they're both very good friends with Trump. Like yeah. Vince Mc, like um, yeah, Vince McMahon's wife is friends with, uh, no, is is uh, part of Trump's uh, ad, ad, like part of the Trump administration. Oh, wow. well, Trump helped the UFC out really early because when uh, when Trump owned a casino in the Atlantic City, he used to have a lot of fights. Yeah, there. it was the only one, right? He was the only one that allowed it. Yeah, he'd have fights all the time. He had, bought, I think, he had Mike Tyson there and stuff like that. Like Mike Tyson fought in Atlantic City. It was like the uh, Trump Trump. Uh, the Trump Hall or the Taj Mahal or whatever. Yeah. Before he went bankrupt on it. Too much leverage. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Trump's actually a good business owner. Business well, manager. clearly he's somewhat competent. I mean, he... I think he's a good marketer, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a private business, though. It's hard to say how much someone's worth when it's all private, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, well, do you guys like uh, NASCAR or no? Uh, yes. I, it's not that I dislike NASCAR. Like I'm into any documentary that's that has like, like an interesting story. Like I wasn't into to, into Tabasco, for example. Okay, right. then you guys might like the. Um, there's like a 30 minute, I think, YouTube mini series. It's from the same guy who made the WWE one, but it's on NASCAR. What's this guy's name? Um, Emp Lemon, I believe. Dude, come on, man! This is so tough. Like for me to take this seriously. Yeah, he's he's more casual. Like I wasn't denying that he's casual. No, I know, but his name's Amp Lemon. Like, <laughs> yeah. Gargle, it's called is it Gargalon? Middle name Gargalon? <laughs> no. Humongous. Uh, what's the name of the video? Hugh Jorgen. It's really good. Over. I might yeah. I might go rewatch it actually. <laughs> Mike uh, Hawk. <laughs> yeah, it's called There Will Never Ever Be Another Driver like Dale Earnhardt. Mm. So if you if if you if you like Dale. Is there murder like, involved? Um, I can't spoil it. Oh but, shit! Okay, I'll but, watch it. But yeah, there is death. I'll fucking watch it then. Yeah, it's uh, it's oh sorry, it's a fifty-four minute video. Yeah, I'll watch it. Just 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 wrote it down. There will never ever be a driver like there. It's in the. Oh my god! Like if you guys are listening and you want something kind of you know entertaining, this is that's the link. Okay, sick. Thanks. Um, the, the guy who makes it is kind of quirky, but it's extremely high quality. Like the, the research, the visuals, it's an extremely well told story as well. Sick. 
I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to rewatch it. Actually. Oh, Tabarnak. They clicked on the so. link and started playing. Oh, wow. Four million yeah, views. Yeah, I think yeah. mine's about to play. Four million views, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you, like, at the end of it, I felt like a man. I was Yo, like, damn. Sorry, I, I thought know. my mic was muted. Did you guys just hear me belch into the mic? <laughs> I no, did. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm John did. Right I could tell it on John's face. <laughs> Gonna have to edit that out. That was, uh, that was pretty fun. No, no, you're a human being, bro. You're a human being. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, uh, there's, there's, um, burping to me seems offensive, but there is two things that I would, because burping is like, yeah, so you within could, your control you can just like yeah. muffle it you know if you really yeah 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 burp. but there is two things i would like to normalize in my lifetime okay. nose picking nose picking is definitely one of them okay like yeah. like i will legit like trisha just loses her mind i will legit be like finger deep talking to like a cashier and she, <laughs> and she'll just be like <laughs> she'll be like acting like she doesn't even know me i'll be in public just picking my nose and she'll like hit me and i'll be like no I refuse, and I'll just be like white in there. Yeah, like just your mom was dr- your mom was definitely a drug dealer. A hundred percent. Yo, uh, John, what's the second one? Wait, why is my no? Mom let me guess. A drug dealer. Because you you think picking your nose is like polite. Picking your ears. No, I don't think it's polite. I'm trying. I'm trying to normalize. Picking it. your ears. <laughs> That's a lot. Second picking... one. And I should say, no, I, no. I actually, I, I should actually uh, set this record straight. My mom actually wasn't a drug dealer. I, I know that I said that she actually wasn't a drug dealer. She was, was a, she? Uh, well, she, she was a horticologist. So <laughs> she, she grew, <laughs> she grew the marijuana. She didn't sell it. She was she a was manufacturer. A, she was a manufacturer. She, she grew and she sold it to a wholesaler who then sold it. Damn. This, dude, yeah. Smith and Wesson's you in your told the story about how your mom got busted though. Yeah. For growing marijuana. Like <laughs> illegally. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you mean? Uh, manufacturing. Austin. Until recently, it was like you couldn't you couldn't grow. Yeah, but when you say the world horticulture, uh, the word horticulturalist, I, I think of like that she had a contract to grow weed legally. No, yeah, she did with shady people, <laughs> not, just yeah, not I mean, the government. Yeah, she. I mean, yeah, she was, you know. <laughs> no, 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 to grow weed, but not legally, right? Like, and she was also weed. she was also a money runner because she was a U.S. citizen, so she could mm. go to the states and she would bring money back. Did I, did I, oh, I, she was I, a coyote. No, I did I not tell you guys the stories of like the popcorn? No. 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 Dude, this is I mean it's a short story, but it's it's actually a pretty epic story. So basically, um my mom cuz she's a US citizen, it was really easy for her to get into the states. Yeah, fair like, enough. Yeah. Um and so but 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 also there was a reason why she would go to the states. She's a US citizen, right? So she would drive we drive to Spokane like once a month. Um I didn't always go, but sometimes I would. Um, and my mom would go to Costco with all four kids in the car and we, you know, we'd all like load up the car with stuff and we'd all get big Costco bins of popcorn. And my mom, I didn't even know this. I only found out of this. Like I, I like got high with my mom. Like, well, my mom was barely high, but I got high with my mom like a couple of years back and she told me the story. And I was like, what? Like, that's so crazy. And so my mom used to hollow out the, like the popcorn bins. Okay. And put money at the bottom of the popcorn, and then put all of it back in. So as kids, the government's like, like the the the, the border patrol's like searching the car. Like we just like fuck, we know she's got money. We just know she's got something, and they could never find anything. Meanwhile, on my lap as a kid, I used to be eating popcorn, and I remember like getting out of the car and like waiting for them to search our vehicle. They search our vehicle every time because my mom had a drug record, right? 
and I'd be sitting there in the fucking like literally inside the the uh, um, Dude, the border your mom, and I'd be eating oh popcorn. My, the her risk taking abilities are insane. That's dude. ball. That's that's so baller though. That's so smart. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word smart. It's it, it's it's definitely John. How did you brave, not like notice brave. that there was Single cash at the bottom four. of your yeah, uh, brave. How did you like you would feel the difference in weight if you had a bunch of cash in your popcorn? Have you no 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 have you seen how big these Costco bins of popcorn are? Oh yeah, no, dude. Like I'm talking it was a barrel of popcorn. And how would you be eating it in the car then? No, no, no. I don't think like um let me look this up. Let's see if I can find a photo of what I'm talking about. Like I think if I if I showed you what I it's not like a little small thing of popcorn. I'm talking like a fucking like a barrel, like um uh Costco. Uh yeah, I'm looking up too. Ten, uh, Who can find it first? Popcorn. Like it's huge. I can't. Like I can't. It was like a holiday thing. Like way back. Oh, in the day. this like, it was big. Can was I it, see? Was it? Uh, was it this? Oh. If you show me a picture, I almost might. I almost might actually like burst into tears because it's like so nostalgic for me. This? Oh. Yeah. No. 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 The one to the right. The one to the right. That one right there. Oh. No. 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 The, no. 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 The one right there. Yeah. That was it. So it was broken up because there was like it was it was divided. That's the exact oh. fucking thing. Now that one's not as that's not as deep though. The one that we had was like like I'm um, like it was like so long. You can't even call it. like it was like that. No, that one right there. Like see the pot like the little like that little red barrel. It was like that, but like bigger even. <laughs> But like way bigger, wow. and they had dividers. Wow. See the little dividers there. So my mom, none of us liked the cheese flavor or whatever, right? So she would like, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Wow. Nuts. What What are the odds your mom comes on the podcast? <sighs> Fucking probably a zero percent chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking probably a zero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Amber. Well, yo, have a. Have a safe flight, man. Thank you. And enjoy, uh, enjoy Jordan. I we'll will talk. Amber, to you when check, you leave, check the plane. I will check everything in beforehand. Yeah, Amber, yeah. when do you leave? No, no, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, I leave tomorrow. Amber, just out of curiosity, when you fly to Jordan, do all the Jordanians on the plane like look at the white person as if like something's sketchy about them? <laughs> no, no. Okay. What's interesting? I'm a dual citizen, so I'm gonna fly to the U.S. I'm going to leave Canada with my Canadian passport, enter the U.S., Canadian passport, leave the U.S., Canadian passport, enter Jordan with my Jordanian passport. You don't want to fly into the States with your Jordanian passport? No. I'm I'm aware of stigma. It exists. It's real. I got selected for random screening just when I was in Just Texas. only speak yeah, Arabic. <laughs> Amr Abu Chakra, just only speak Arabic the whole time. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. And and pr- praise the motherland between every sentence and Allah. Yeah. That'll definitely get me through Nexus. <laughs> you have a Nexus? No, no. Um, I probably should. It's only 90 bucks a year. I, I, I'm like... I keep saying, oh, I don't need Nexus, but like, I'm starting to travel a lot, so I think I should probably get Nexus. Yeah, Nexus is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, 90 guys, bucks. Uh, this is good. Um, talk to you guys when we talk next. Yeah, it's Friday. See ya. <sighs> yes, sir. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. 
and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.